For someone who travels weekly, hotels, they get boring pretty quick. They're lonely, crowded, you know, just, I want to find something more fun. So on tour, we started seeing a lot in Airbnbs. Uh, you know, I did my special taping in Phoenix uh, in 2021, and we had a Airbnb then, and it was just so much fun. I mean, it's honestly a lot cheaper, too, is what's crazy. Um uh, just so much more space. They have full homes. I mean, it's, you can, you know, easy to cook stuff, easy to, you just feel like you're at home. Uh, did you know you could also be my next Airbnb host? And uh, I mean, in fact, my tour manager, Travis, recently started hosting his place on Airbnb. Uh, he says it's a great way to make extra money while we are on the road this summer, uh, since his home would be just sitting empty. It's a great idea to host while you're away if you have some upcoming travel plans this summer. Uh, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Nate Land, the Nate Land podcast. I am Nate Bargetzi. I'm sitting here, Aaron Weber, Brian Bates. As always, been trying to get them off, but they keep coming. They keep showing up. Uh, we uh, we got. Uh, we're gonna start this. Up. this these episodes this week are brought to you uh, uh, by one by Helix. Big uh, big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Pretty fun. We got. We're actually brought to you by someone today nice. exciting, man. a big shout out to helix sleep take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life find your perfect mattress at helixsleep.com slash nate uh we have one of the matches it's very nice very comfortable uh we're also brought to you today uh by DraftKings. this is a lot mm. we're brought to you by a lot today <laughs> thanks to DraftKings uh for supporting nate land Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, has millions of reasons why you should be excited. To kick off the football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with a total of $3 million up for grabs for this Thursday's football contest. Download the DraftKings app now and use code NATELAND. It's our first ad. Yeah, All so right. let's do it. I mean, we are rich. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, we're big fans. Uh, all right. Today's uh, is part two. First part two as well. First part two podcast we did. And uh, so that's pretty fun. It's exciting. Yeah. And uh, it's it's moving along. So we're going to start off, as usual, with uh, some of the comments from you guys. See how mean you guys have been. Nice. Uh, all of it. All above. First up, Randall Grisham. At the beginning beginning of every episode, Nate says they are still trying to figure out the podcast. I'm not sure what there is to figure out. This is already one of my favorite podcasts. It feels like you're sitting in the room having a conversation with these three guys. Keep doing what you're doing. That's nice. Yeah, that's very We do. Nice. So we know what we're doing. Apparently. I think we know what we're doing. I think we're still always trying to make it, like, you know, perfect. It's, yeah, you know. You never want to stop trying to improve. Yes, you know. we're always we're always improving. <laughs> I hope by like twenty, we're just doing something different. Like we're in a hot air, like we're a hot air balloon <laughs> podcast, and like we just talk about hot air. But like you don't realize that there's that much stuff to talk about hot air balloons. Yeah. We could change completely. I had someone tell me 
uh, comic, Ari Shafir. I was talking to him about when I was going to start this podcast. And he was like, always be open to it can change. And maybe I'm a little too open to it. <laughs> I'm like looking for it to change more. But we do, we have a great system and uh, we appreciate, I'm glad. It is nice to hear that. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I need to hear that so I, don't, I quit tinkering. Christopher Stanley. These first 10 episodes have been amazing. I like how Brickles and Aaron are finding their niche roles in this production. Aaron, the reluctant genius, and Brisket is the self-deprecating setup man. Brigade even smiled and laughed out loud a few times on this one. Wow, we got some life out of Brigade. <laughs> Breakfast so is moving around. Uh, Calvin, I spit my coffee out when you guys said someone called Bryson Breakfast. I already have kind of, that's very funny. You guys are the, uh, I ruined that guy's joke with saying breakfast earlier. My fault, Calvin. Uh, I spit my coffee out when you guys said someone called Bryson breakfast. You guys are the best not to mention, not to be morbid, but you started the podcast the week I was wanting out and the most depressed I've ever been after the death of my best friend. This podcast literally saved my life, not to be too dramatic, but seriously, you're doing the Lord's work. Listening to stand-up always helps, but this podcast is the best. You dudes are crushing it. Please keep them coming. Bates and Weber now have gained a lifelong fan. Nate was obvious how I found you guys, so he is okay, too. Parentheses, favorite comedian. Uh, thank Calvin. That is unbelievable. And, yeah, stay with us, Calvin. Come on, man. I mean, I, I killed that one guy. You're trying to kill Calvin. But, but now I'm back. Oh. We're back to you. Oh, now, you're, now you saved a life. Yeah. Yeah. That'll mention that in my trial. Uh, that's nice, Calvin. We love you, buddy. Uh, yeah, that's, I, you know, pot, comedy is great for that kind of stuff. And it is not take your life as serious. It kind of helps you do it. I mean, I know everybody has, uh, you know, it's tough, man. You lose your best friend. And uh, that's, you know, it's something no one can even really, probably hard to talk to you about. You know, no one can relate to that. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that you're listening to this. And uh, Calvin, you're the best buddy. We love you. Uh, so thank you. He's got, you know, he's big fans. You got to. It's a lot of pressure now. From y'all too? Yeah. <laughs> you got lifelong fans. Nelson Bernard. Ironic that the comedy episode was the least funny so far. <laughs> now we're back. Because we take yeah. comedy serious. <laughs> Nelson. Uh yeah, I don't know. The, you know what? I thought the comments were very funny last week. <laughs> yeah. We opened up yeah. super funny. And then it was, uh, you know, and then we we talked about comedy. Yeah. Look, we look at everything to be funny or interesting. That's how I, I almost look at stand-up like that. When you're doing stand-up, it needs to be either unbelievably funny or you need to be saying something that's keeping people's attention. And so that's what uh, I think this needs to be. It's either funny or interesting. Ironically, I think his name's Nilsson. Yeah. Which was the biggest laugh we've ever got, and it's historic. <laughs> Colin Lippert, Brad looks like the substitute teacher that desperately wants the approval of the full-time teachers. That's a great. That's like a real comic comment. You look like a substitute teacher that you walk in the the, the teachers lounge. The teachers lounge, just like. Hey guys, and it's like, hey, you, and then one of the real teachers like, you don't work here full time, man. I know you're here for a while because Miss, uh, you know, whatever Miss Smith is oh, going through some leave. stuff. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's got because Miss Johnson's going through a divorce and she can't be bothered by teaching. So, but you don't work here. 
I feel that way too. Could you be a substitute teacher? No. No. You'd get run over. I agree. With I that. mean, the kids would just. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to be like everyone. So you'd yeah, be like, yeah, well. let's do it. Yep. They just learn nothing. Yeah. I agree. KP, does Aaron only wear rejected prototype Notre Dame caps? <laughs> Awful. Notre Dame has a lot of nice gear. Help them out. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Now you're wearing NBC Sports. Yeah. I thought there were <laughs> some good hats that that's I had. That's very funny, dude. Okay. Rejected prototype. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's really funny. Well, yeah, they match send me his, some stuff. They match his starter jacket. So that's why <laughs> he wears them. Because they... <laughs> That is very funny to think just the rejected. You're like, you know, like the, they always say there's comments, comics have made jokes about the third world, like your third world country of like you have like the Raiders won the Super Bowl yeah. and mm-hmm. all this stuff. That's where he gets his Notre Dame hat. He goes to that same store. Tony Ott, I love that, I love that Nate had the Seinfeld. It's the last time I'm going to tell you memorized. Not sure I believe that. I did have it memorized. I mean, I don't know if I could do it now, but at the time, I, I watched it over and over and over and over. You know, he's the joke he's making is, and I think you said that two straight weeks. It's the title is "I'm telling you for the last time." It's the last. Oh, it's oh oh. That, it's <laughs> two the last straight time weeks. I'm you, tell you. So you had to memorize. <laughs> you said the title wrong. Well, it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, you know what else I had memorized? Scream, the first Scream movie. Yeah, I could. I could. The me, whole movie. Me and my buddy John Paul. The whole movie. We could go through it all and and do it all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Could you do it now? You think? Maybe. I could do, do some of it. I'd, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd have to get some, I'd have to get it going, <laughs> you know, but I think I could do some of it. Yeah. But I, 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 I mean, that was, it was high school. So 75 years ago, <laughs> I don't have it memorized now, but I, the screen was a big one that I had. Jared 81. I got you, Nate. Buddy and Aaron should have this, have had this one. <laughs> Buddy. Buddy's a great one. <laughs> it's not my bag is an expression common in the 1960s to indicate a lack of interest originated in U.S. jazz slang where the metaphorical bag was a category that might hold likes or dislikes. Yeah, that's what you had in mind, right? Yeah. 1960s jazz slang. It doesn't matter. I don't know the rule. I don't know what it means or how I heard it. I'm just saying it's a saying. I hung around with, maybe I hung around with people that, not like you guys. This uh-huh. guy just looked it up on Wikipedia. Somebody pointed out Austin Powers said it. It's, it's not, not my, my bag. bag. It's not my bag, baby. I'd say it's more likely you got it from Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, I think we all agree that. Hanging Jazz? out with, yeah, Louis Armstrong. <laughs> well, what I was doing in New York, we would do comedy in the jazz rooms. Yeah. That's what y'all said? I don't know if we did. Not, they did do that. Like uh, in the 40s, they did that. But I don't. I didn't. But yeah, it, it, it's not my bag. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine Ralph Henry. Aaron, I also have to listen to an album in the car. Sound, oh, all right, let me start over. <laughs> I was like starting a race. Half of these are like, I started a race, and I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I wasn't ready, I wasn't ready. <laughs> Aaron, I also have to listen to an album in the car. Good sound, no distractions, AC blowing. It really is a good time. It's the best, man. I, I, I Yeah, I think it is. I think I get the idea of it. I'm just, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh but I like AC blowing. I was like being in a car. I love how you can get it at the perfect temperature. You know, mm-hmm. I've done that. Like I've had to let Holly, our dog, out. She always wants to go out at like one a.m. and it'll be right when I before I go to bed. And uh, so I'll let her out, and I'll go stand outside some nights, and 
I'll be like, it's the perfect temperature right now. It's like, it's crazy to me to be in this giant earth. Yeah. And this moment, you stand outside, you have no shirt on, and you're like, it's <laughs> the perfect. best. Yeah. How is that? Isn't that crazy? It's a big area. It's a large area, the earth is. Earth? Yeah. Earth is a gigantic it's a big spot, area. For sure. It's a big spot to get perfect. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable. I think about that a lot. Saw Mars the other day, too. Really? Yeah, right next to the moon. They were hanging out together. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's he up to? They were, yeah. Ran into Mars the other day. Like, yeah. Mars, yeah. The moon is like, oh, look at you. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a while. I always see Jupiter and Saturn every night. Do you have a telescope, or you just you just got a good no, eye? No, pretty good eyes. I got LASIK. Uh, he sees stars, and he just... No, I looked. That. I did the sky guide. Oh, on that the app phone, where you can... On the app that's that you cool. can... Yeah, that you can look at it and see. And so I was able to... You can, like, go into... It shows you a lot of stuff. There's a lot of going on up there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would see two, you know, bright lights, and they were just always in the same spot. And so I thought, I bet they're planets. And then they started moving and turns like, out, oh, well, that's just the U.S. Airways. Air. I saw they were blinking and I was like, yeah, it's getting lower. And I thought maybe Jupiter's falling. Is that a movie? Yeah. Yes. Is it, it is. Jupiter's falling? Yeah. No, not Jupiter. Isn't it? It's something. I want to say, yeah. Sky is falling. No, it's a planet. It's like Neptune or Jupiter. I don't think so. Yes. Uh, Jupiter's falling. Jupiter has fallen. Jupiter has fallen. I don't. It's something else has fallen. I don't think so. You're talking about the movie with Channing Tatum, He Saves the World? Uh, yeah. Jupiter Ascending. Oh, it's that's, Ascending. That's it's the, not falling. It's Ascending. It's the opposite of falling. Ascending means it's rising. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What is the Has Fallen movie? There, the sky has fallen. No, it's something else. Well, that might be true, but there's something else has fallen. What Olympus. Olympus has fallen. Olympus so has fallen. So not a planet at all. It sounds like a moon, maybe, of Jupiter. Maybe that's where I got confused. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. These poor guys have to sit through us every week, just like God. I just want to tell. He finally they knew like, right away. He's finally like, I gotta say it. I yeah. just gotta say it. Jep. J e p p e. How would you say that? I'd say Jep. You just hit it really hard. It made me laugh. Jep. I like the name Jep. You know, I'd like to have a friend named Jep. I think that's very. Just because you like saying it? I think Jep is a perfect friend name. Mm-hmm. I think Jep is someone that, who like his buddies, a lot of them have his, the, their wives are tired of being, where are you going tonight? Me and Jep are going out to play some pool. And then she's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Jep is not married. Jep is your friend that never got married. Right. <laughs> and he... Hangs out at pool holes. Yeah. Jep. Nate's pronunciation of Nielsen is actually way closer to being accurate than the other way. We don't say Nielsen in Denmark where the name is from. So and he's from Denmark. Jep's from Denmark. So it's probably Jeppe. 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 Probably something like that. It should be just Jep. That's how he should do it. It's just Jeb. We got through these comments super quick. No, there's more on the back. Oh, there is. Oh, I was like, golly, we're just flying through these. Oh, printed on, always printed them on one piece of paper for the environment, saving the earth. Yep. One paper at a time. This is how, this is how the earth gets saved, dude. That's right. 
This is so you can look your grandkids in the face mm-hmm. when they're born and go, see what we did? <laughs> As they go, what is that? It's paper. And they're like, we don't even use that anymore. But I don't, you think they're using paper? What, how grandkids? Like my, my grandkids? Or your, your, grand, your, your grandchildren. Um, they, uh, no. You think they're writing? Cursive? Anything? I think every... Oh, yeah, they're probably learning. I don't know. They don't even learn cursive I, now, do they? I don't think they learn know. cursive anymore, but everything will be digital. They won't even have paper money. Then. Yeah. You just be... Yeah. I don't like that. You I like feel, having the money? I like... I always have cash. I like having cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I don't... It's like you want to you wanna see something. When it's all just on a computer, it's like that scares me to be... If you wake up, it says zero. Yeah. And you're and you can go are you like there's not like you could go, there's a there's actual stuff in that safe that's mine. Like it's yeah. just going, well, it says zero on this screen. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta be like, Well, something's wrong. You'd and like to just go. have gold bars with all your money. <laughs> you know, you safe. see those commercials and <laughs> why are they getting to be commercials if they're not true? They have to be true. It's always the older celebrities that are buying the gold, but it's always like a guy that was in Mash. That's right, <laughs> and Alan he, Alda. Yeah, and he's like, I, I bought a bunch of gold, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh, did you? Like yeah. that's his. So Fred Thompson, telling like me who's going to be? Yeah, who's going to be? That's because I think that's they're going after the people that like those people. Like, so right. who would be? You know, <laughs> if if Seinfeld, if Kevin James. When I'm 80, he's going, I bought gold. I'm be like, oh, I'll buy gold too. Like, I loved Kevin James. Right. Like, that's who they're going after. He's not going after a new new person. Uh-huh. You're going after the people that like those people to buy gold. That's right. All right. Uh, Alex Tobin. <laughs> Broomsticks. <laughs> Broomstick. <laughs> they're not even trying to be names I mean, anymore. I love it. Broomstick looks like he thought hanging with Nate would be more fun. Broomstick well, always looks like that. I admit that. He thinks it's going to be a good time. When you sign up for the Nate train, it's not always fun. It's a bumpy ride. Some of the railroad tracks are broke. What about Is that T- how they say it? What about T-Bone? T-Bone. <laughs> I look like a T-Bone guy, right? I look like a T-Bone guy. I want to go by, what is it called? Coco. Coco the monkey. Coco the monkey. It's a Seinfeld reference. Oh, okay. Uh, if you were a Seinfeld fan, Aaron, uh, I Jane, gotta study up, dude. Yeah, you don't watch Seinfeld. You wear the hat. They no. were on NBC. Um, <laughs> they were on NBC Sports. Apparently, you're a fan. I know, but your your father worked for NBC. So, what are you? <laughs> I I know I, I'm a fan, but not to y'all's level. I need to get there. Yeah, just to hang in these conversations. So we don't have any West Wing comments. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, dude, if you want to start, they were on NBC too. You want to start talking West Wing? I looked at West Wing because I never watched it. And I, it's on what's it on? It's, it's on, on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. So I thought about. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go through West Wing to try to because it do, but it just seems. I mean, is it? It's a lot. Is it, it is a lot, and I almost don't want you to watch it because I don't think you'd like it and you'd just trash it <laughs> relentlessly. And then you got to, as you and then try. I would feel worse about it. Yeah. It's too smart. Yeah, is that what you're saying. Would you then possibly not like it? Because I'll poke holes as you're sitting, as you're driving down Interstate 65, <laughs> and right. you're watching the West Wing. You're watching the West Wing. Well, I would be a lot less vocal about liking it. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> 
James Lackey. Nate started a story about Seinfeld bumping Gaffigan. Can you finish it? We cannot, James. I'm sorry. That was the story. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, Seinfeld, when he bumped Gaffigan, I was at Gotham Comedy Club, and uh, Gaffigan came in. So Gaffigan obviously gets to go up whenever he wants. He's at that level, and that's the level you're always striving for. Uh, so he was going to come in and they said, yes, you can go up because you do 10 minutes because Seinfeld's coming down. And, uh, so Gaffigan did 10 minutes and then got off stage and Seinfeld and I saw them. They were like, he was like, Hey Jim. He was like, Hey Jerry, how you doing? And then Jerry went on and that was it. And yeah. then, uh, I think Gaffigan went to do another show, but yeah, that was, it was, it was, that was, that was the moment that you were always so worried about when you were, and I was like kind of running these rooms was when two big guys come in, who do you say, you know, who, two guys with competing egos probably. And you know, you don't want to. Yeah. And then, so who, do, but I mean, Seinfeld to me is, I would say the number one, you know, yeah. I'm, you know, and Yeah. You know, I mean, he's just been around long. I'm not even saying he might not be your favorite comedian, all that stuff. I'm it, that doesn't really matter. I'm talking about comedy always has a hierarchy in a sense that the people that are older than you and done it longer, there's respect shown to those guys. And that's what I like. And so I would say, I would think Seinfeld's, you know, now that Cosby's out, you got Seinfeld's the guy. Seinfeld's the oldest. Leno, too. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld probably let Leno go. Like let Leno decide what he wants to do, I, but they've kind of started around the same, so maybe you know they could see. I mean, I th- yeah, I think like an Eddie Murphy, unless it's like something Steve Martin, mm-hmm. if something unusual comes in, the fact that they're not doing stand up, if they pop in, they everybody's got to kind of be like, you guys are back, and those were the two biggest comics in the world. Yeah, so you, then you let them go, but it's an interesting. Like you imagine, if you're listening to this, if you're running a comedy club and just pick two people, who do you think, you know, Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle walk in at the same time? Who are you going to put up first? Who gets to go? Who gets to decide it? But, but I, it's up to them. Right. That's what you do. You just hold up to them. Versus if Dave Chappelle and, I mean, trying to think, uh, if Chappelle and, you know, Patton Oswalt walk in together, it's like, well, I think Chappelle gets to go. He, you know, he gets to go first. He gets to do whatever he wants to go do. Yeah. And maybe he's nice enough to, you know. Mm-hmm. First name, last name. When you watch this podcast, turn on the subtitles. It's always funny to see what closed captioning thinks Nate is saying. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that is good. I bet they have a hard time, you know, just, I mean. I always think when they're doing it live, when you watch a live show, and it's closed. I mean, someone's listening and just blah, 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 like t- typing stuff mm-hmm. out. That's got to be, you know, tough. Yeah, that's like in the in the jury. What do they, they do? They do it yeah. that way, or just I figure some computer that just somehow. I mean, maybe it for is. TV broadcast, there's probably somebody there transcribing it. But for like YouTube closed captioning, it's all automatic, obviously. Hmm. But I always think about those stenographers that. Uh, yeah. In like a courtroom. Yeah. Have you seen what those keyboards look like? Uh-huh. They're not traditional keyboards. Yeah. They're like keys they each key has multiple letters on it and then they so they can type super they just use like each hand they're not even yeah. using fingers it's amazing wow it's like a monkey just they, they really dude if you watch them they're just like i bet you have to learn to let a mistake go if you're in that business yeah you can't backspace <laughs> yeah you can't white out <laughs> yeah you can't just be like you got to be like look it is what it is it's going to be kind of crazy mm-hmm. 
and then I, and there's I wonder if there's like a one that's the best. There Stena- had, a stenographer? Yeah. Someone that's like, oh, he's good. They come in and bump the other I mean, yeah. (laughs) He's just like, this is what he does. He's been doing it a long time. Or she. Or she brings in, uh, might be a she. Yeah. Probably could be. I think a woman would be much better. I think it's a field (laughs) dominated by women. Yeah. Stenography. So so if you're a guy, it's tough to get into. (laughs) Maybe. I did mock trial in high school, and I remember we did, there was one, trial we were doing where the stenographer like told us that we were arguing back and forth and she was like i can't keep up yeah i had never seen a stenographer break character like that wow like yeah y'all gotta slow down yeah this is too much yeah one at a time i I never had that kind of stuff i don't think (laughs) i was ever in classes that i was never being prepared for the real world i was just get to high school get through it and then send me out yeah (laughs) I never had like, op, you know, it was never like, we're going to do mock trials in case one of y'all are a lot. It was. <laughs> would you have done mock trial? I think you would have been good at it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I would have uh, been a witness. Yeah. You know? I would have loved to have been, a, you know, just a witness. Just to, but I, I never, I never had, did you have classes? That, You'd be the bailiff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the bailiff is. <laughs> Please rise. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You could do that. I would I like to, because you feel you're like, you're kind of in. You're protecting of the judge. That's right. The bailiff's the one that walks over to you and goes, you need to quiet down. But <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, I could be the bailiff. I would, I mean, I did, we did one play and I had one, I had one line. What was it? Do you remember the line? Uh, Is it from screen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it was like, uh, I don't even remember now. I remember I worked at a. These pretzels uh, are making me thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I worked I worked at Gaines Fitness if you're in Nashville, but it was uh, the Gaines brothers. It's all these brothers that they played at football, Vandy, and uh, one of them played for the Seahawks. They're the most wonderful family. Uh, uh, I mean, they're just their dad. Their their dad was Buddy Gaines, and he worked at uh, when I worked at Hermitage Golf Course when I was 15. And his dad uh, was like retired, and you know work there which i that's what when i retire i, I want to go just work at a golf course like just be in charge of the carts going out i mean i would love it <laughs> i would do it now uh i so he would he would he worked there and the, the family's just everybody knows them they were in nashville they were just a big sports family and uh i always see one of them brad and they're just like they're just southern dudes man just real southern dudes and i love nice southern just a family that the whole town knows yeah and you talk to them like well how are you doing like and i worked for gains fitness and i had to do how we had this play so when i worked at gains fitness i worked i watched the kids that was my job i would be in the daycare so if you brought you if you had to have your kid watch i would sit that's all i was able to do <laughs> was just to go in there and i'd be like i would just be in charge of the children yeah you read them stories and yeah stuff? you know let them play games yeah. or whatever and uh and you had to play with them. And this is before you didn't have a phone to mess around on. You just had to sit with children. You had to actually work. You had to work. Then. Yeah. And so I had to pl- I had to play, and I told him I was like, "Hey, I can't come to work Thursday because we're having a play." And he's like, "Are you? You having a play? <laughs> just real southern." He's like, "What? You got a line in this play?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got. You know, I'm probably super southern too." And I was like, "I got a line in." It. He's like, "What's your line?" And I, I forget. It was like. I'm making this line up, but it was as simple as this, where it was like, I go, well, some guy asked me, where am I going? And I say, well, I'm going to the store. And that was it. 
And he goes, yeah. He goes, let's hear. I don't hear. I go, well, you got to say, where are you going? He goes, all right, all right. He goes, where are you going? And I go, I'm going to the store. And he goes, all right. He goes, Nate, you get out of here, man. That was a great job. You did great. Get on out of here, buddy. He was like so happy for me. Oh, and funny. I was like, all right, man. Like, And that's always stuck with me. Did I don't remember the line. Did the play go that well? Did the play go that well? Yeah, I mean, I had one line. I, you couldn't mess it up. I mean, look, it led to all this, you know. <laughs> that was the start. That was the start. But they, they were just, I love a nice, if you have a town, just one family everybody knows. Right. And you're yeah. like the Gaineses. They're wonderful. I saw them not too long ago. Uh, Zachary Morrow. Love that you guys did an episode on stand-up. Something I would like, love to hear you guys discuss. Do you ever get chastised for being a Christian in the comedy scene? New York especially. I know that Anthony Jeselnik has a lot of respect for Nate as a comedian, despite being basically the opposite person as him. I find that super interesting. Funny thing that I would, I would always joke about with Anthony about that is I would t- I would I love that me and Jeselnik, we are friends. I mean, we're comedians, so we have stuff in common. Me and Anthony were... Uh, uh, very good friends. We did a lot of hung out a lot together. But I would tell Anthony, I was like, "Look, I think we should hang out as much as we can because I know once we die, we'll never see each other again." And <laughs> that was always my <laughs> being a Christian, him not. Yeah. Uh, so That's funny. I, uh, you know, yeah, for being, a, you know, I mean, a lot of pe- a lot of comics do grow up in a Christian home. A lot of you know, a lot of people are a lot of comics are Jewish. So whether they're practicing or not but they would all i mean i would have a lot of friends that would jewish is you know they're they're it's very family oriented they have they go to church quite a bit uh so yes there's a mix i definitely dealt with when i first moved from nashville to chicago it was the first time i ever heard someone really question christianity i I mean i you know i grew up in the south so every i mean i would say you could drive you drive around the street and everybody's a christian i mean you're like that guy i don't know what that guy's in that car but i bet you he's a christian because everybody was everybody went to church it was very normal and so when i moved was the first time i ever saw someone that did not believe you know wasn't didn't believe in god or wasn't a christian so there was definitely times i had uh, you know, I would think I would get judged, prejudged the same way I always said that they think the way they judge, uh, they think that Christians judge people. They would judge me that way to just, they write you off being like, oh, you're a Southern, you were Southern Baptist. Oh, I bet you're all these things. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not any of those things. Yeah. I went to a normal church. You know, they're like, what's Southern Baptist church? They think we're like have rattlesnakes and, right. and you're like, dude, it's a normal it was like a high school, like I don't. It was a regular place. We didn't do anything, mm-hmm. didn't bother anybody. So we do get, um, or I, I mean, I definitely got stuff for being Christian. But I mean, overall, I, I don't think anybody truly cares. You know, that's how I believe. That's how I, I don't think anybody really cares. I feel about like anything. comics when you're hanging out, everybody gets made fun of for everything. Yeah, that's how it's been for me. It's yeah. been like no more than me being overweight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, uh, one funny, like, so when I would be around Patrice O'Neill, and uh, they said, I was, they, they, someone told him he's from the South and he's a Christian. And Patrice asked me if I believed in dinosaurs. And so, which is, that is an insane question. But I would just go, I'd be like, I do not. I would just say, I, whatever he asked, I would just agree with it. <laughs> and uh, so one day we we're supposed to go to his house. And someone said, someone told Big J that I, I, I can't come. 
for some reason. And Jay was like, that doesn't make sense. Like Patrice, his friends likes Nate. And so Patrice asked Nate, was like, I mean, asked, uh, Big J asked Patrice and said, hey, uh, he said Nate can't come to the party. Like, do you care if Nate comes? And Patrice was, a f he was like, are you crazy, dude? He goes, that guy doesn't believe in dinosaurs. You don't think I want that at my house? <laughs> and I always thought about that. That's what I think about. I've almost tried to live by that. Like, if someone doesn't believe something you believe, I'm like, you don't think I want to be around that? Like, yeah, yeah. I want to hear, that's way better than just us talking about stuff that we all agree with. Yeah. I would love to, you know, I just love that he's like, you don't, that guy doesn't believe in dinosaurs. You don't think I want that in my house? I want that all over my house. Just some guy that doesn't believe in dinosaurs. Uh, but in hindsight, I'm 50-50 on dinosaurs. Uh, Sarah Panagopoulos. Man. Panagopoulos. P-A-N-A-G-O-P-O-U-L-O-S. Sarah Panagopoulos. Aaron, you jump on this one? I wonder if she married into that name. Sarah P. Sarah P. What if her name was... Sarah Johnson, and then that's her husband, and she's like, "Oh, Panagalopoulos." Yeah, Panagalopoulos. I bet it's a name that once you figure it out, you're like, "I got it." Mm -hmm. I think it's Greek. Yeah, yep. Uh, I think it's really cool that when Laura asked you how long you would do stand up if you didn't make it, you said forever. That's some legit grit. I'm glad you said previously that she deserves everything you have because that's some legit loyalty to support a dream that might not manifest. She's a boss. Brian's response to the jabs are so subtle and yet sassy. Love it. Thanks for making my virtual workdays much less productive and way more enjoyable on Wednesdays, gang. Well, that's a wonderful comment. Yeah. Thank uh, you for calling me Brian. Yeah. I appreciate well, that. She respects you. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, unlike most people. <laughs> yes. Uh, Laura, yeah, Laura's been the ride or die, you know, there from the beginning. She didn't know what she signed up for, but now she has a thousand dollars and that's something that she can buy whatever hat she wants to know <laughs> she doesn't ever want to like she's just tough to buy presents for because she's she's not into uh you know i could buy her tools and she would love it yeah i could honestly go buy her a, anything you think you would buy your dad i could buy my wife when I have to buy my wife presents, I look up what to buy for Father's Day, and then I go buy her something because that's what she wants. Ties. I mean, ties. <laughs> yeah. Socks. <laughs> um, Madison Hill. Last year, our fantasy football punishment was the loser had to do a five-minute stand-up bit at an open mic night at a local comedy club. As y'all were sharing all that goes into stand-up, I now realize even more why he bombed. It was both amazing and painful to watch. What y'all do is so hard. Thanks for this podcast. It got me through a long Wednesday at work. Wednesdays apparently are not not big yeah, in uh, the work life. <laughs> uh, yeah, you see that a lot where guys go, yep. but that's where open mics are for. You can go try it, and that's where you know. I wish more people would try it just to see. They don't. People don't realize that when you get up there, how it's it it, it gets real. And then how quick you can say something. Something that you think could time out to 10 minutes mm -hmm. could be two. And that's un it's unbelievable how fast that time goes. Yeah, dude. Especially when you get no laughs. And that's how it gets to two minutes. So, I yeah, I think everybody, yeah, go try it. That's a popular thing, though. I think we've both experienced that open mics. I hate that, to be honest with you. Yeah. It used to. When they do it. I used to run a show right next to Vanderbilt. Yeah. And I think a few times it was a, somebody lost their fantasy football yeah. and they had to come to a spot. 
and it, it's like this thing that you've I've devoted my life to, and I'm like, this is like, this is my passion, and then it's somebody's punishment, you know, and yeah. then they show up and do it yeah, and yeah. leave, and you. But doesn't that make you? That's why you want to be good at it, because then you then you separate yourself from that to go. I am better than this, and that's when and that's too as you look at open mics. I would look at that as an open mic going, oh, I don't want to be in this, why, I don't want to be in this room anymore where this right. stuff can happen. Yeah. Th- those guys are not getting on a regular show. Oh, sure. So then you, you, it's motivation that you go, well, I don't want to deal with this. But, and I also would be like, if that happens, that guy's probably bringing a bunch of people. So then you get yeah. a real audience. Right. And so that's where we as comedians can take advantage of that. Cause then we're like, oh, he's got 15 guys coming. I mean, that's, you know, all the shows you would do where the guy that brings the most people, you're like, well, you got to go last because we can't have your people leave. Mm-hmm. We need a real audience, you know? And then everybody's throwing people in front of that. That's what, you know what? Even if you want to, if you have that, something like that, where the loser gets to do a five-minute stand of it, the nicest thing you could do for those comics is to go, hey, we did this bet. We're doing five minutes, but we're bringing a bunch of people and we will go last. And then that way we you guys can can watch a real you can perform in front of a real mm-hmm. crowd. That would be you would be op- I mean with open arms. Or it's okay yeah. if, as long as you stick around. Yeah, they want you to stick around. Yeah, yeah. Or but if once they do it, the guy wants to go talk to his buddies right. about it. I mean, you can't. I understand that you're not going to want to just be like go sit quietly. Yeah. But if the crowd's terrible, if they're annoying, then we'll put that guy up early. Yes. You know. Well, that's how you'll be able to tell. If you're like, oh, we said last, and now we're going, that's because your your crowd is drunk and yelling. Yeah. Uh, Berlingo. Saw Nate first time live, 7-15, 2017. Headlining at the Tacoma Comedy Club. Tacoma, Tacoma, Tacoma. <laughs> headlining at the Tacoma Comedy Club, Tacoma, Washington. I knew that one. I don't know what happened. Uh would love to know if the dead horse and getting lapped at Mount Rainier by the elderly and ba- people with baby stories were new. Like, did you develop them that trip loving Nate Land? That was the weekend it happened. So he's at the exact date. With Brian, right? With Brian. Yeah. July 15th, 2017, we went to uh, Mount Rainier, right? We drove out, and then we saw the dead horse. Uh, when we've talked about it, you get asked a lot about this. Mm-hmm. You want to tell it? Because you get asked a ton about how that joke. Yeah. Because uh, they don't ever ask me a ton, but they ask you. Because I would always say you were with me. Yeah, so I was driving. We had a rental car. I was driving. And uh, like he said, it was on like one long stretch. To, to out to Mariner, out it's to, one road that goes out. And he's like, oh, man, there's a dead horse over there in that, that field. And he kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah, just yeah, you know, your brain starts going, and then we went to Mount Rainier. All that stuff happened. Yep, got up there, and we—I mean, we were just people. dying, huffing up that mountain. And then there was an older couple that came yep. down, and, and the we, baby's thing just was added on. Is just yeah. yeah. Yep, and then um, and then on our way back, we stopped to eat, and at the restaurant, Nate said, "I think I maybe got two bits from today." The dead horse we saw and uh the lady who said well I, i'm 70 and i i did it and we kind of talked about it a little bit so then we get back in the car and we're driving back we he's we get close to that dead horse he's like i want to show you it's over here because he on. you didn't see it that's right i didn't see it because i was driving but, but he's like slow down it's slow down it's coming up i know it's right up here slow down and we slow and the horse is just standing up eating like a normal horse and was one of the healthier horses yeah, we've ever seen. <laughs> ever seen. I think you said the line. I did the healthier, say that. So the, li- the healthier I was like, that's line the healthiest horse I've ever seen. Yeah. 
And uh, so anyway, so then I thought to myself, well, the dead horse joke's gone because that horse ain't dead. And then that night at the club, he starts telling it. And I was like, why is he telling this dead horse joke? The horse isn't dead. Mm-hmm. And then he did it the way he did it, which was great. It was that weekend. Yeah. But that, and that's how lines get in, too. Some people always would think you write and stuff. That was Brian said, well, that's the healthy horse I've, healthiest horse I've ever seen. And so then that came in from him saying that. So that was based. It wasn't like really tagging it, but it was like that was, I wasn't going to say anything better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Most of his best lines come from me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just He's the general. man behind the curtain. <laughs> How quickly did you know that that was a bit? It murdered that weekend and I was opening yeah. with it. But I, and so I thought it was doing really good, maybe because I was talking about a local thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so when we left, I was like, man, I hope this can work everywhere. So that's what you do when you get a joke that you, some jokes can be very just, a, it's like it works in that town. It's not going to really work everywhere else. And then some you're trying to be like, man, I hope I can make this work. I mean, it, that it really wasn't about the town. It was just going to Mount Rainier. So everybody knows Mount Rainier. Everybody, you know, it's a, that was like a fun thing. But um, I think after that weekend, I did it like the next weekend too. And it was like starting to work. And then it was like, oh, okay. And then you start building, maybe the, a little stuff gets added to it and, you know, it gets longer than it was. But I mean, it was doing so good. Were you opening with it? Yes. You, that do you weekend. like to do that? Open I like to it? open with it uh, if I have a new if I have a new joke. I mean, unless it fits p- somewhere. Especially else. when it's local. But reference. when it's local, I'm going to open with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, I, I do like opening with new stuff. When I did Tampa with you, the Olivia story had just happened. I think that morning, that morning. Yes. And you opened with it. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. For the first time. Well, it was such a perfect joke to open. You could tell that this joke would be perfect at the beginning. Yeah. And I was excited to try it. And that one, I called a few people on the way there. I might've called you and just to say the story happened because it was funny to say, and then that way I could say it a couple times before I hit the stage that night. Mm-hmm. And then I can give it more. And then a fight broke out That's uh, right. in that Tampa thing. Uh, in the back, big fight. Just geez, the guys started going at it. Mm-hmm. I was like 25 minutes into my set. Nate brings that out of people, his comedy. We get you riled up. People don't care because this guy's not good. He goes, I agree with you. And then they fight about how <laughs> not good it is. <laughs> Uh, JT, great show as always, Nate. My favorite part was when Aaron and Brad Pan shared their <laughs> comedy stories during the last 45 seconds of the show. Keep up the unbelievable work, guys. Yes, you guys knocked it out. We're going to let y'all tell some more of your stories uh, this time. <laughs> it was, uh, but you know, y'all got it in. Last 45 seconds, yeah. sneak Fred, it in. Brad Pan. Brad is Pan. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Mork, I've commented before, but I want to make sure you're here. Do not do too much material on here. You want to take it on stage. It stinks going to see a comedian. You already know his entire act because of podcasting. Uh, Cameron, that is something that I think about a lot. That's something that I think doing a podcast helps you be funny, and I'm hoping to get some material probably out of this. But I will uh, am very aware of that, and I try to... I would try not to uh, do that. I would, if I felt like something was going to happen, maybe you see the beginning of it. And I'm like, oh, that could be something. And maybe it goes, uh, obviously I don't know, but that's why even this format is, I don't think I'm going to get a ton. Like maybe I get some stuff, some add on stuff, but the way we're doing this and talking about specific things, I, you know, I don't know. 
I, I am. I'm. That's something that's completely on my mind. It's something that I was scared about doing a podcast because I was afraid that would be too much. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that he. I'm glad he said it. I mean, that's something I think about a lot. So I hope it won't, and I'm sure I'm sure it can at some point. This next hour probably won't have anything because I had the hour before this, but then the hour after that might just be us three on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Brad McCurdy, you guys always kill it. Can't wait for you to get back on the road and see you live. Maybe bring Aaron and what's his name with you. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I doubt it, but uh, <laughs> no, we will go out and we will. Uh, we're gonna be doing some of those drive-in shows, and y'all will be on some of those. Uh, so we will, uh, we will be doing those uh, coming up. I mean, starting September twenty-fourth to like October twenty-fifth, we're doing drive-in movie theaters, and I think y'all are doing the back half of them with me, October eighth to the end of that run. Uh, so we're gonna see how those are gonna be. Some are drive-ins, some are at, some are just in parking lots. It'll be very. It'll be nice to get back out and be doing the hour again. Uh, but it's yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, you know, we're going to some. I'm going to some cities that I've already been to. But I think the way you got to look at this is a bring your whole family. Like someone mentioned about bringing a baby. You're like yeah, bring a baby, man. This is the time you can bring a baby to us. You can throw them in the car. Like there's you're gonna be in your car. It's gonna be. You know, it's it, we're the way these are all getting done is because I think people are like, there's nothing, people can't go do anything, and this is a night out, and so we're gonna have, you know, uh, we're gonna give you the best show that we can possibly give you, and uh, hope it goes really good, and it's gonna be interesting to see if uh, with the crowd, you know, because you can't, ours is so important about the crowd, and you can't do it, you can't hear the crowd, so, uh, all right. Uh, well, there's the comments. Thank you guys as always. Keep them coming. We love, I love reading comments. I like the comments a lot. Yeah. It's very fun. Uh, the rest of the podcast, I do not care. <laughs> for. Uh, we should be just a comment podcast, just comments on other comments, which Chad Ryden did that with uh, a comic. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. He commented on our podcast. He, so he did a, he a did live a, reaction to our live podcast. reaction to our podcast and then did another one off his a reaction, a to his live react. reaction to his reaction, <laughs> which is very, very funny. Chad Ryden, one of my favorite people. Uh, so, uh, Helix Mattress. Uh, I get this is the first, I might not be good at ad reading, but we're going to figure out. Helix Sleep has a quiz that just takes two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. We did the the body the thing uh, where you, you it's like a two minute quiz to do it. Me and my daughter slept on the mattress uh, because me and my daughter sleep in the same. She sleeps with me a lot, and my wife sometimes does. Sometimes she can't handle it because uh, as as you, I, I talk about this in my act, but and I won't do it now. But it, as sleeping with a kid, kids don't know how to sleep, so they get pretty wild. Uh, so my daughter, me and her slept in uh, the mat, the Helix mattress. We loved it. My daughter even said she didn't want to get out of bed because she thought it was so comfortable, and she wants out of bed immediately. I mean, a kid wakes up, they want out, and she even stayed. Everybody's unique, and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattresses, models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot, which I like that. I start cold, but then I get hot at the night. I'm, I do both, and Helix is great for that. And, and even Helix Plus mattress for plus-size folks. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's to Aaron. Uh, maybe it is Aaron. I don't know. 
Just go to helixsleep.com slash Nate, take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is also offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Nate. So if you listen to this podcast, you do helixsleep.com slash Nate, you get $200 off and two free pillows. Pillows are, I like getting free pillows. Those are good. You know, pillows are tough to find or do what you like. And you yeah. get two free ones, you can really get a good go at it. Mm-hmm. So make sure you go to helixsleep.com slash Nate. Take the quiz. Helix is awesome. Uh, they were awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Number one best mattress. Overall mattress. Ooh. That's pretty unbelievable. They have mattresses. For, and it comes in a... It, it's folded. They do the vacuum seal yeah. on the mattress. You can vacuum seal any everything. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unbelievable. Like I a mean, full mattress. It's rolled up. Sealed. It's all vacuum sealed. Yeah. And it is wait, when you undo it. Is that fun? Yeah. Have the whole family in there. Yeah. Because it is worth it. Yeah. I mean, it just it just boom pops up and feels great. That's awesome. it's it, you just and then you just lay on it. I mean, it's unbelievable to watch it. <laughs> uh that was, I mean, that was very fun. You get to try this too for a hundred nights. Uh try it out for a hundred nights risk-free. They're even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. They have a 10-year warranty as well. Made in America. I like that. Uh, yeah, 100 nights free. That's a good go, you know? That's plenty of time to figure out if you like it. Yeah. And you will. And you will like it. So uh, helixsleep.com slash Nate. Get $200 off two free pillows. And thank you, Helix. First, uh, first ad. One of the sales pitches that I've always heard that makes sense to me is you spend a third of your life in bed, so why wouldn't you get a good mattress? Yeah, that and shoes. That's like... Uh, a lot of older ladies say that stuff to you a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I swear, anytime I ever heard that comment, it's from a grandmother. About mattresses? That says, good mattress, good shoes. Grandmother and breakfast. <laughs> well, you're and, the one that said it. No, I know, but I'm just saying, I know, but you're the one that said it first. <laughs> and I, I, the only time I hear that is uh, when it's over brunch with an old lady. Uh and your brunch. <laughs> no, you're right. I'm saying you're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm just that's saying. That's a great way to say I'm right. Yeah. Well, that's slam like. Slammy, slammy, slammy. I know. The, the, that's when I did my joke about stamps. You never hear about stamps, but from old people. You don't hear about uh, matches. But you're, you're right. Go get a Helix match because you are <laughs> going to spend a giant part of your life in that mattress. Uh, <laughs> you think y'all have spent a third of your life sleeping? More probably. More? Uh, I don't know. Not it's in the lot. mattress, but on it. A lot. Yeah. To average. If you average eight hours. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I've been trying to. You know what? Uh, my uh, my buddy was saying he does six because he feels six is like a good number for him. And I've never thought of it like that. Like, what is your good number? Because you know, if you sleep too long, sometimes. Then you wake up and you still feel tired the rest of the day. Uh-huh. So you got to find your your whatever time. I mean, I go six to eight, and it depends on what's going on. Uh, but I, I feel like seven's a good for me. Yeah. I can try to do seven. Uh, but last night I did. Might have done eight. I don't know. I slept for twenty four hours once in college. I've never done that since. Yeah. What was going on in your life? Yeah. I was like, fi- it was like finals week and I was pulling all nighters. And I remember I went to bed at like 10 and I woke up at 1030 
and I didn't feel, I felt awful. And I went downstairs and I was like, and everyone's like, where have you been? I just slept for 24 and a half hours, dude. Mm. That's probably not good. It's probably uh, yeah, not good. For I mean, how do you sleep all. for 24 hours and a half? That's yeah, twenty four and a half over a day. It's a little eerie. You don't remember waking up and going to the bathroom or anything? I'm or? sure I did, but I yeah. don't remember doing that at all. But it, yeah. there's a weird feeling that the world just went by without you for yeah. the whole day. You yeah, just, yeah, you yeah. Missed it, you know. I mean, I think some days you probably should try to sleep. Like everybody should just go like pick a day and be like try to sleep as long as you can. Just tap out. From the yeah, world. I mean everybody's busy. You probably do need that. But yeah, twenty four and a half hours. Yeah, I wasn't is, proud of it, but it yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you know, you did it. You can say you did it. Some people do 24-hour uh, races where they run for 24 that hours. That was my race, dude. That and that was, was like, race. you should do that. You should enter <laughs> all that. Yeah. Well, if you do the Krispy Kreme, when you do the Krispy Kreme donut challenge. By the way, everybody Still seeing every, comments about that. I mean, everybody's like, no Krispy Kreme donuts this yeah. week? Yeah, no. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to come out of nowhere when we do it. You yeah. think you sleep good after that? Oh, dude, I'll have to. <laughs> You'll be going to the bathroom. <laughs> That's true. Also, today is uh, brought to you by DraftKings. Make sure you download the DraftKings app now and use code NATELAND. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and $3 million in total prizes. That's pretty crazy, $1 million. Hmm. Yeah. If someone wins a million dollars and you can win a million dollars, would y'all still do this podcast? <laughs> would you, or would you leave? I don't do it for the money. You don't do it for the money. No, Aaron, I feel like you would leave because you get a million dollars on on uh, DraftKings, and you would probably walk right out. Yeah, you'd leave right now. Yeah, I mean, the xylophone in his pants idea. Yeah, <laughs> don't miss the extra special week on one bonus. Enter code NateLand to get a free shot at the one million dollar top prize with your first with your first deposit. That's code NateLand only at DraftKings. Make it rain. DraftKings app now. Go download the DraftKings app now. I messed up their app. Dra- download. But you download the DraftKings app. That's what it is. You're going to download. You've done DraftKings. I have done DraftKings. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. If you like fantasy football. And it's, it's like week by week. And it's yep. not. You're not just committed to this whole kind of thing. You can yeah. kind of jump and go. Yeah. If you screw up. you Yeah. What's the most money you want on there? I don't put much on there, but no, I'm a dollar. Do you put a dime? <laughs> it's more than that. I have someone that would always put like a dime on games. Yeah, like he would always just be the the long. This was a long time. A literal ago. dime. I mean, just nothing. Yeah, change and just be mixing it. Like he didn't really care about the money. Like the almost like the competition yeah, of it. That's kind of. I mean, I do a few dollars and. Or what's the most you've won though? Twelve dollars. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. It's if you enter code Nate Land, you get a free shot at one million dollars. Oh, you think wow. you're going to go do that? You're I, I am now. Do this right now. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Go do it. It's code Nate Land only at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. That's DraftKings is fun. That's a fun. It's good. Yeah. If you're into sports, yeah, you're into sports. Yeah, you got the hat. I use DraftKings. Yeah. Oh, you? How much money have you won? Uh, I, I double. I put twenty dollars in and Ooh. I doubled it. Ooh, big point. spender here. And uh, yeah. Well, New and I money. made more than twelve bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's a lot of fun, dude. It made me interested in games where I didn't care. Yeah, because yeah. I had players. Yeah, in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. That's what. That's what. That's it's watching when you watch uh, the Red Zone Channel. It's yeah, like you're watching exactly. all these yep. all these games and stuff like that. Yeah. that and that's the best part of it is yep. you get to you get a little you keep an eye. That's why fantasy was always did that. You keep an eye on you get these other teams that you don't care about, and then that's what DraftKings does. So download the DraftKings app now and use code NateLand. 
for one, you get a shot at a million dollars and $3 million in total prizes. That's, that's an insane amount of money. All right, DraftKings.com, Nate Lamb. Uh, all right, so this week uh, we're not playing a clip uh, because we have because we, this is part two. We played the quick last week with all the the kids. Uh, a lot of people love the the little sketch video we we shot with all the neighborhood kids. And, Sorry about the audio. Oh yeah, the audio did not work. If you were listening, if you're listening on uh, just the audio, for some reason it didn't play. I got blamed. I got blamed for that. Yeah, it's look. It's not Brian's fault. It's uh, it probably was. No, I we we're we're figured out why I don't know why I messed up. I don't think I asked, but uh, we we are aware of it, and we know it did. And so, if you want to see the video, you can go to my social media or Nate Land, and uh, that we posted the whole video up there, so you can see what we were talking about and what we did. It, but a lot of a lot of fun comments about that, which was good because it's a you know bunch of kids acting in that and they did really good yeah and uh they enjoyed it and we were you know we had nothing to do uh during this COVID time so we made some videos uh so all right well here's part two we're gonna get into uh, stand-up comedy all right so many these questions we get to a lot of people submitted questions this week i sorry i couldn't get to everybody but kind of did combine questions here first one's from hazard he, or I guess it could be a she, ask, what do y'all suggest comics who still haven't reached the quitting your day job phase do to further their careers in comedy during this pandemic? What do y'all suggest comics who still haven't reached the quitting your day job phase? Uh, I mean, look, this pandemic, I wish I could, you know. Well, this the pandemic aside, what do you? What would you say? Oh, I was, was going to say, I don't know, you did comedy during the Spanish flu, Brian. What did you guys, <laughs> what kind of shows did you guys do back then? Uh uh, well, the pandemic's what makes it unique. I mean, that's as far as if there's no pandemic, I mean, you got to just keep going and you're know when to quit. I mean, you're know when you can quit. Uh, I remember Ben Bailey, uh, who hosts cash cab. Uh, and I remember Ben was, cause he was one of the guys that didn't quit his day job until he had to. And so he lived by that motto and the fact that other comics, want to quit i mean quitting your day job is a prideful thing when you're like i'm making enough money that i can quit my job but some comics lived by the they didn't want to quit the job they were like well i'm gonna keep it until i can't because why would you not just keep making the money and you can save up more money and i think it's it can go either way i mean some guys i think quit some guys hang on too long and i don't think they they jump in enough. But if you can do your day job and then be doing shows every night and no one even knows you have a day job, that's how you got to do your day job. You got to do it to where nobody knows you even have it. It can't be affecting your life. I would see people, new comics, that would be, I would be like, when can you go on stage? And they would like wait tables at night. And they're like, well, I can't go up, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays because I got to work at night. You're like, that's got to stop. You got to quit that job and find a job during the day that you can go up every night. If you're trying to make it. If you want to make it, because as always, you're not owed this thing about being stand-up. That's a big, I think comics think they're owed something. And they think, well, I, I, I shouldn't have to work. Why do I have to work? Why do I have to you like, because no one cares that you're doing comedy. No one cares that I do comedy. So I have to constantly just try to do as good enough to make people want to watch it. Everybody does. If you're, It's not a regular job. You're trying to win the lottery. If you're lucky and you win the lottery... Then you get to live in a may. It's it's crazy, but that's what's fun about the risk of starting comedy. You might not ever pan out to anything, 
and you might and then you might pan out to be Jerry Seinfeld. That's what's wonderful. Seinfeld wasn't promised that. He didn't enter a program that led him to, you know, it's not it's not a regular job. It's, you know, like athletes. They're not, you know, they're trying to make it. They give it all, hope it works out. If it doesn't, if it does, then you live a unbelievable life. If it doesn't, then you go do whatever you got to do. Go back to a regular life, you know. Uh, but during the pandemic, I mean, you know, it's like hard to keep writing stuff. I mean, sure, you can, you you know, got to think outside the box and make videos and just feed. You just do what you, I don't know, further your career, it's like, don't try to just look, do this time to ask people for stuff to give you. Figure out a new thing, whether it's making videos or whatever you can do, but just take charge and be like, what can I do to build my career up or to build my people being aware of me, uh, starting a podcast, do, I mean, do something. Don't just think it's when you look out and you're looking for an answer from someone. When you, uh, if, if, if you're sitting there during this pandemic and you're going like, someone needs to do something for me and then go do something for yourself. You can put anything you want out. Maybe it's not going to get the traction you want, then keep doing it keep making it better. Like it's, it can get the traction. If it's good enough, it will get the traction. Go do be on TikTok and figure that out. Go whatever the new formula is, try to write stuff and try to be funny and try to give something to people to watch. That that stuff works. So you got to go do it, but you got to do it yourself. You can't be asking. I mean, he can ask this question, but you can't be relying on someone to be like, well, no one's giving me work. I mean, I you know, when we go on the road, when you first start and you're like, well, no one's booking me. I can't. You're like, well, that's going to that's so that's going to stop you. And some people it does stop because they want the excuse to be like, they didn't make it. So they want to be able to be like, well, no, it was political. No one would book me. You're like, well, I mean, no one booked anybody. I didn't get booked. No one would book me. You know, no one booked anybody. And you just, I was around. You stay around. Yeah. That's when guys would, I remember guys would move to New York and move back and they'd be like, ah, New York is, I didn't like it. It was, it's all political, whatever. You didn't make it, dude. You didn't yeah. give it a chance. Yeah. So don't downplay all the other people that did make it through New York. No one did anything any different. No one was, you know, when I moved to New York, I was a Christian from the South, the opposite of everybody that moved to that city. And, you know, but I just stuck around. I just hung out, been 17 years, just hanging out, being around, keep doing comedy, keep trying to get better, watch other comics, try to get a lot, you know, it's like, you're not promising. Like that's the, when, when you choose a career, any career, singing, acting, it could be anything. You're not promised anything. You know, you're not, when I was reading water meters, that was my, where I was going to go back to just a job for the County for Wilson County. And I, it would have been fine. Mm -hmm. I would have done that, but that's a job that you're, I feel like I'm reading water meters. I, I should, I'm owed insurance and owed <laughs> like, you know, $40,000 a year, whatever it is, you know, it's like the year, that's a job that you can be like, well, you have a boss and you have whatever. It's it, You got to have that mentality to, you know, I don't want anybody to, I never wanted to not be able to get something because someone was in my way. You know, that's why when I was doing these, when I was in New York doing all these comedy clubs, that's when I moved to LA. It's like, I never wanted to be like so reliant on someone else for work. I wanted to be able to create my own thing. That I don't, you don't want to be just, well, I only get up because if this person lets me and if all your, you know, 
stuff is in that bucket. I don't know that saying either. What's all your? There's some bucket saying. Eggs in one basket. Eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah. Or in a bag. Or in a That's bag. Not your bag. I like bucket. Yeah. Don't put all your rocks in one bucket. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Uh, Gray wants to know, Nate, you mentioned Louis C.K. giving you feedback on your structure. How do you balance feedback with maintaining your own voice, the spirit of your act? You got to just listen to the the feedback. I mean, you got to listen to what he says and see what you can do. Really good comics are usually pretty good at knowing they give you the idea and then the, you can kind of make it into your own, how you know how you say it. But you got to know when to be comfortable to say something. Uh, like when you said, we were talking about the horse earlier, when you say that's the healthiest horse and I can say that line, that's just one tiny line. That's what I can say. If I, would, I couldn't have taken his whole idea, or whatever he had, but if it's like a line that I can fit in and it fits in the way that I talk and what I say. So you just got to know when to do it and you take it. I don't remember if I did what he said, do. Sometimes you're just like, I don't, it, it, if it doesn't click in your head, then you're not, you're not going to do it. So you just, but you just listen to what he said and you're like, and maybe you take it as a different angle. You don't have to take anybody's when they tell you something. I mean, I've, I've given tags and you know, I, and I, in my head, I think, I guess it's a great tag. You should do it. And then sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's hard when someone else comes with some up with something and you're talking, especially when you're, you already, you're doing personal stories. It's hard to take that from someone. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got a joke joke, like if you're setting up something and I'm talking about just a regular joke that's not personal, then yeah, you can probably tag like, you know, uh, Stephen Wright or Mitch Head, like one liner guys, they could probably take jokes. Larry the Cable Guy could probably take, you could take joke ideas because they're, they're kind of rattling off jokes. And so they're not as personal, but when it's personal, I think it's harder to, to, I don't know. Do y'all agree with that? For sure. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't, personally like getting together writing with other comics because you want it to be your voice. And if it's personal stories, it just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. like writing with other comics? No, I've never really done it. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I'd never liked it. Either. I know a lot of comics that do it, but uh, I tried it and the idea of it, but it's, I, I, if everybody can have a line in a joke, I don't think it's that personal of a joke. Yeah. If, if you can be like, Oh, 15 guys wrote this. Then I mean you're you're doing a monologue. You're, I mean you're you should be a late night host. Uh, also, when we get jokes, uh, we were talking about this earlier downstairs. But if we ever get jokes uh, from f- regular people, non comics, we get that all the time. You should do this as a joke. What the the problem with that is, I would say majority of the jokes, if you're a regular person, that you're going to come and tell a professional comic are going to be the jokes that the comic would have come up with in year one of comedy. They've usually been done. And that's, that's always the hardest because someone goes, that's really funny. You're like, it is. And it was done a lot in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And so now it's not. So that's, that's always the hardest part when you get like a regular person coming up and telling you a joke. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, and then you, it's hard to take their joke. I mean, look, maybe randomly they come up with some idea that you're like, Oh, that is a good idea. I like that idea. I'm going to take it and do it my own way. But the yeah. idea is very good. I think comics would rather that. Like, don't tell me here's the joke, but be like, have you ever looked in, you know, like if you tell them the mm-hmm. idea, that would be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need help with the joke, but 
Yeah, and it's always it's always something. At least the ones I get, it's always something they think is super original, mm-hmm. and it's just not. But it's not their fault. They don't spend all day thinking about yeah. jokes, yeah, and all night hearing them, yeah. You know, so it's just their fault that they give it to you and think you can. And they think you're gonna. Yeah. You ever? This is where you get told a joke. Someone tells you something, and then like in between shows, and then you then they're gonna watch you the next show, and you're like, <laughs> Do I have to do this? because he's looking because you don't want to get off stage and he's like dude what, what happened i gave you a, i gave you a dime you didn't even you know i'm gonna try like another out. comic yeah other comic regular person yeah. doesn't matter i've had i've done corporates where the ceo of the company will come up to me right before i go on stage and say tom there oh man he just went through his third divorce you gotta give him a hard time about that. Go. <laughs> and he's sitting right up front and i'm like i don't that's not really what i do yeah, I get a lot of corporates. They do that. I'll point out who who to make fun of. I always tell people if you want that comic, that that comic is out there. Yeah, but I'm not that. I was. I'm not that comic. I'm a guy that does my act. Mm-hmm. I build an act and I take it out. Stuff can happen. Maybe you can make fun of somebody. I'm I'm open to the idea of making fun of something, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go on stage and just be like, huh. Mm-hmm. I heard you got a uh, third time. You got divorced. You know <laughs> whose fault is it? Life's in shambles over here, and everybody has uh-huh. a yeah. And you don't. That guy cries, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, they told me to make fun of you, and they're like, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> I have a lot of people just say, oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. Just yeah. And I'm like, well, it doesn't really work quite that way. What do you say? What's your uh, go-to? Who's someone famous had it? Uh, they said when someone says that, they always go, oh, tell me a joke. He goes, you're so good looking. <laughs> you say that to the person that said it. It's pretty that's good. Fine. Yeah, that's funny. It's a good little Seinfeld reference too. Yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it is Seinfeld reference. Yeah, but it's uh, but it's just funny to like, you immediately put that person down. That's good. I just give them a tight ten. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want are. to dive in yeah. <laughs> to the point where they're like, a hosting right. set. I yeah. Ask <laughs> where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, a lot of people used to not. Would you? Will you tell someone you're a comedian if they ask what you do? I try not to. You try not. What do you? Do you have a job that you tell them? Um, if it's something I fill out, I just put writer. Yeah. But I mean, if they ask me, um, well, I mean, I could say Uber driver. Or... Well, you should say I work for News Channel Five. I used to. Yeah. yeah. But I would just because the problem with saying that is you can't go down a job. Keith Alberstadt, very funny comedian from Nashville, has that joke about. He makes stuff up, and then someone I think keeps asking him about it, and so that always got in my head that I'm too scared that I'm going to start something that then they want to know more about. Yeah, and then because every job I've had is not my jobs are all kind of someone would ask more about it. I was I recycled mm-hmm. tires. They're gonna be like, well, what's that? I read Waterman. Like I don't have. I'm not like I'm gonna consult it. Like that. I'm, I've never had an adult job. That when I get to say it, someone I saw, I, you know, I'm, I work for a pharmacy and we do like, I've had all like jobs that you might be like, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, you would be I'm 41 being like, I recycle tires. You still recycle? <laughs> Every job I have, everybody goes, you do that full time? <laughs> I've never not had a job that someone doesn't question I've done full. You do yeah. make money doing that? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, well like, like lifeguard or something like that. Yeah. You're doing that as an adult. At 41? <laughs> You're a lifeguard? News Channel 5 is certainly going to get questions too, though. That's right. Yeah, I know, but you would know the answers to that because you worked there for so long. Yeah, but now they'll just like yell at me about some story. Why are y'all still doing that? Like, oh. Yeah. 
I don't know. Well, I'm figuring you're on a plane. I just figured you got to pick a job. Yeah, yeah. News Channel 5 is interesting enough. Yeah. And you're not, I mean, you're not going to get bombarded with like comedy questions. And then you know enough about it that mm-hmm. you could actually talk about it. And you might enjoy talking about it because mm-hmm. it's not your life anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's why. That's true. Um, Sonny Collins wants to know, has any of your jokes caused conflict between your spouse or family members when they are the butt of the joke? My wife is terrific about that. And uh, I'm lucky in that aspect of it that uh, she's always fine with it. Always, you know, never gets upset about it. Never complains about it. Uh, So there's, I've never, in my other, my family, you know, I, I talk about Tuesdays, wedding they you know they they love it they're they're i I come from a very fun family you know my dad's a magician Uh, my whole family's very funny and so we're i think they're they i mean as far as i know i think they love it i mean the (laughs) uncle and aunt that fist fought each other at the wedding i think he's he died now but the aunt is still around there's a chance we don't know if they've seen that joke i just asked my dad that recently i was like do you think they've seen it and because she's remarried and so I don't know if they have. I mean, I would imagine they've had to. Someone had to have told them. That's what I was going to say. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that they, I, I, I don't think they have. Uh, but I, I, no one said anything to me. Like if they have, you know, and they all come to the shows and they're, you know, I think, I think a lot of people want to be in the joke. Mm. They're excited to be in the joke. People have a better sense of humor than you think. And, uh, you know, and I do it with my daughter. So what I, I kind of tell my daughter, because I talk about her, and so I, I, I tell her a lot, because to build trust, you know, I'm like, look, I will never say anything that if you do not want me to say, I will never, I would never in a million years, if she was embarrassed by something, would ever put something out that would, you know, uh, I, I want her to really hear everything, and uh, even if the joke was funny, and if she didn't want me to do it, I wouldn't. I, I just would never, I would never say it. And I overly tell her that. So she never feels, uh, uncomfortable. I don't want everyone, I don't want everyone not to come talk to me as a dad because she's afraid I'm going to go then use it, in your use act. it as my act. Yeah. Uh, and I make her, you know, I mean, she introduced me on the last special and I, uh, I, I you know, I try to keep her very involved with all that stuff and she'll, she gives me joke ideas as well. It's always very funny. I, it's always like, I mean, it, it's kind of out there, you know, it's an eight year old joke idea, uh, but I always love hearing them. So uh, if, if someone, I would never want to hurt anybody's feelings. So if anybody ever came up to me and, and said they were no, and I asked before the two thumb or, you know, any of that stuff, I always asked, I asked my dad, I'm like, will they care? Will they be upset about it? Like I would never, and I tried to say the joke where I'm not making fun of them. It's like making fun of the situation. But I'm not like, you know, it's my family. I'm a part, it's part of my family. That's a big, I think, aspect too, is to be like, well, I'm part of this family. So if you're going to be, if you're going to laugh at them, then you're laughing at me because I'm no different than them. We're all yeah. the same. Yeah. Instead of, instead of, and that's the way you can present a joke. If you present the joke as going, listen to my buffoon family member that did blah, blah, blah. Or if you're like, this is where I come from. We're all doing this. Then that way it's like, you're making, you know, we get all stand together as a family. Have y'all had that? Any? I mean, I've any jokes about my wife. I've ran by her ahead of time, and she's been fine with all of them. And 
my mom. I have a few jokes about my mom, and she's she likes them. She's yeah, she's fine with it. Yeah, just how you you know. I mean, there's I there's times I see comics and they say crazy stuff, and I'm always like, dude, is your family like how crazy? I always think that sometimes with a dirty comedian. Like yeah. I've seen their parents come. Uh, I always joke and say I'm a comics parents comic. <laughs> they're so they're saying is if people don't know a comics comic is yeah. I mean probably everybody knows that mm-hmm. saying it's like that I'm a comics parents comic I'm always the comic that other parents because most com- comedians are dirty and they're like well go watch Nate he's not and so I'm always the one that's like I'll be at a show and be like we're who and ever's parents <laughs> and he told <laughs> us to come watch you uh, but they I always think that. I see them say some crazy stuff, and I've seen them with their, my, my you know friends in the crowd, or their parents would be in the crowd, and I mean they're just talking about just sex and dirty, and I'm like, dude, are your your parents are here? Is that crazy? And I mean, some sometimes you meet their parents, and you're like, okay, I they're fine it. with yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> their parents love it. Yeah, but some of them you're like, good it's night, just dude. nice, sweet parents. Yeah, like here. don't you ever, you ever just you know they're here, just like. Tone it down. The idea of cussing in front of my parents oh, makes me. Man. I get the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Oh yeah, awful. I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, De- not Derek Thomas wants to know if someone told you the way you delivered a joke was so funny that it doesn't matter what you say, would that be an insult or a compliment? That's a good question. Uh, I think it's a compliment. I mean, I I can sometimes take stuff. I know because I've seen that. I get that a lot. Uh, and it's when they overdo it. They're like, I mean, if you look at the joke, it's awful. <laughs> but he says it's so funny. And so that's, I I, I get that uh, that a lot. But I think it's, and I and can be defend of my joke. I think the joke is written very mm-hmm. well. And because uh, I'm coming up with it, so I'm going to like it. But I think when those two things can come together, that's when you're kind of you're really at a place where you you got your voice, and so when you can have the joke in that, and you got to not take advantage of that. That's a big thing that you got to because there there you can get to a point where people. That's when you first go out, and people just think you're funny, so they're gonna your first little bit. They're just laughing at you saying hello, love your town. Like you're saying nothing, and they're laughing because they're like mm-hmm. they're just like happy to hear your voice and all this stuff. And you got to be careful not to take advantage of that because you can end up writing a bunch of bad jokes and just rely on that. And that's I, I, that's taking advantage of that crowd. They're paying to see you. You should give them the highest level of comedy that you can give them. So I try to make sure that the jokes still stand up. And a good way for me to see that sometimes is when you pop on shows, if we're at Zany's and they're doing like comedy all-stars and I'll go on that show that crowd, most will not know who I am, and they're not there to see me. And so then you can try those jokes in front of those crowds, and that's how you can really tell if your jokes are still working. Because you're like, all right, this crowd doesn't know me. I got to win them over, and that works. Versus if I'm in front of my real crowd, you know. I mean, because shows would be like, I mean, you would do, when you do comedy clubs, or you know in theaters, I mean, they're so excited mm-hmm. that it's, you know, they're happy to see you and you're like, Oh, you could probably get away with a lot. Yeah. You could get away with some bad jokes. So yeah, I, I think when all that stuff combines is, is a good thing. And I, I, I wouldn't take it as an insult. I mean, maybe in my head, I take it, mm-hmm. you know, I would never openly. I think a lot of people just don't know how to give a compliment and it's not, 
their fault at all. It's like if I saw uh, a Tarantino movie and then I saw Tarantino on the way out, like, I don't know. I don't know how I would intelligently give him a compliment Yeah, on the movie. You know, I'd probably yeah. sound dumb if I were like, man, the plot was great plot. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, if you're like, yeah, if you're like, I thought, I mean, the, it was shot so yeah, good. The special I effects I were think, so good. Yeah, that the plot was obviously the not as good, but the, I mean, the way it <laughs> yeah. shot. And you could think the plot's good. Sometimes people want to give comments. The thing is, they want to just say something. Yeah, exactly. And so they're going to say whatever they can to just say it. And uh, a lot of times, just go with your first instinct. If you see someone that says something, just, you know, be like, I, I loved all of it. I think you, you know, I don't know, just say, we don't try to, I think sometimes they're trying to sound like they know what they're talking about, where just, you maybe you don't know what you're talking about, so just say it. I mean, I, again, I, we have to do, I have to do it if, if I saw Tarantino. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you have to go, I love the movie. I thought it was awesome. Right. And like, you just do a very broad, because I did love it. Instead of trying to, yeah, I'm like trying to pick it apart, you know. What do you guys talk about when you're on a cruise together? <laughs> I've met Quentin Tarantino. When I did my cruise the in the South China Sea and he was on it, the funniest, I had to do that second show. And the funniest thing is what I did, he had a, he would write, he would, uh, I'd see him on the cruise, we were on this cruise for like nine days. And he's sitting there writing, uh, he was working on a script, I guess. And he would have a red pen and a black pen. And he would just, he would write, you know, whatever he's doing, he's writing it by both, hand. Both hands at the same time? Same time. No. No, I'm <laughs> no, just, no, like, I know. It looked like I was doing that. I was like, like, wow, uh, that's wild. Yeah, he's crazy, dude. These guys are crazy. Uh, so, but you would see him write, and then we were hanging out, and I, when I had, I, I did one show, then I had to do a second show, and I was like, man, I hope this show goes good. I don't know. And uh, so I do the second show, and it, it, it did go good. And when I'm walking out, Quentin Tarantino comes out of the bathroom, and he just goes, did you go on yet? Which is a very <laughs> funny joke to say to someone yeah. after the, and I was like, and but I didn't, you know, I only knew him from this little moment of that week. And I was like, yeah, I just went on. He's like, I'm just kidding, man. I saw it. It was great. Like, and then he kind of kept walking. So it's very funny. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, but that's my Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Justin Burrell, Nate's comedy involves a lot of personal stories. What are comedy rules on how much of a personal story can be made up? Can it all be made up? Or happened to someone else? Mine are not made up. I uh, mine are all pretty exact. Uh, the only time I'm making something up if I'm talking about what I think would happen. You know, like my McDonald's burger story, where Lewis Lewis took the bite. I said I took a bite out of Lewis's burger. The only thing Dan Soder was with us, another comedian, and he actually took the bike out of the bite out of the burger. It was my idea. I said, take a bite out of his burger. And so Soder took the bite out of his burger. And then that's when Lewis came and like lost his mind. And then I kind of walked away from the table because I was about to start laughing. And so I, when I first started telling that joke, it was, that was a joke that was all three of our experiences. Any of us could have told this joke. The only time we ever kind of did it was when we were on shows together. And then I finally one day got it worked out right. So I kind of got the joke. And since we all do it, and that's how it kind of works where we have uh, one experience that could be a very funny joke. And then, but it happens to three comedians. So you're like, who gets the joke? And it was kind of just whoever can come up with the best, whoever's actually going to use it in their act and come up with the best thing. So I ended up getting that joke, but I used to say Dan took the bite, but then the only thing with that, it was getting too complicated for mm -hmm. people to follow the story. So that's the only time 
that is to me, I think a lot of stories can be untrue. And they're not untrue, but I may be just trying to uncomplicate the story. Mm -hmm. Like it was getting too hard to follow with three people. So I just made it two people. And that way it makes it a lot easier. And the end of that, when I'm saying, what do you, if you, uh, you think you could beat up a guy that's so confident he's taking bites out of burgers and just handing them out to whoever? Like that's me. Obviously, that's made up, but I'm just commenting on what I think he, he's thinking. Yeah. Uh, but I think all my stuff is, I mean, I think exactly true. I mean, I try to pretty much stay. But but what do you think, generally speaking, is a good? Do you think? I notice a lot of comics when they first start, myself included. Your stories are almost all made up, and they're kind of outrageous. And you can kind of t- the crowd might think it's funny, but they know this isn't really true. And then unless you get better. You can make true stories funny to the point where they're like, this is funny because it's true. Yeah, yeah I have a hard time. That was when I writing these TV shows, I always had a hard time not coming from truth. Mm-hmm. Like just straight up making stuff up. There's comics that, I mean, all of it's made up. And I think you, if you do that, you got to do that. Like that's what you do. And you got to create that world in your head because then when you write that stuff, you know where you're coming from and you can't balance back and forth. You can't go, you know, so it's easier. I, I mean, I, I have a hard time not yeah, like telling the truth. So all my stuff ends up being true, but you know, if you, if something fits, if you, cause sometimes you can't make it too perfect either. That's where, you know, when someone says something and you're like, God, that is perfect. Mm-hmm. I, that's when I have to, uh, Sometimes I, I don't trust it. It'll I don't take you out of it as a listener. Yeah. You're yeah. like, it's too perfect. Right. Yeah. It sounds, you know, it sounds like it's made up. Yeah. So you, the sloppiness is sometimes what makes it even better because that's way more relatable. And then maybe you just, you know, I mean, when I talk about these fights with my wife, you know, everybody's like, do y'all fight all the time? You're like, well, no, we don't. We can't. I've, I've talked about, these specific fights. So we have fights, but we're not just like, I walk in the door and just like, you know, just going crazy. You have these kind of fights. So you just pinpoint them. But I, I mean, you you do whatever you, you know, any comic, look, you can do whatever you want to do. You can make up all of it. You cannot make up, you know, but, uh, I, I think to constantly create stuff, you got to come from some kind of truth. I do. And, what you do well is you share a personal story that's funny in itself, and then you do, but what if this had happened? Yeah. And then you can, even your your baseball story about a home run off a walk. Yeah. It's very funny, just what happened, but then you do. A, what er, What's everybody thinking? Yeah. From a parent's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Which makes yeah, it Yeah, so you do, yeah. Fun. And that is, that is kind of made, that is completely made up, but it's off a real situation, so... That yeah. McDonald's story, a new comic might be like, and then my buddy went up there to fight him. There was a guy with his hand in the fryer. Like he would tell it like it's real. And then he'd be like, I don't yeah. know if I believe this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I say like, he's, this guy's in the back. He's got his hands in the fryer. Yeah. I'm making a fictional guy to be like this scary guy. That's a great example. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. And a regular, and yeah, you would try to convince, no, he had his hand in the fryer. Yeah. And then everybody would be like, no, that's, oh, yeah. I don't know if he, it, it would kill him. Right. Yeah. Chris Webb, Nate, you talked about the guy at Fallon being a good booker. Can you tell us civilians what a good booker is versus a bad booker? 
And for that matter, without specifically naming out the comedian, what kind of comedians do you think, do you guys look at and like and respect? What do they do or do not do that makes them good to you guys, people in the craft? A good booker is, they just are very good at uh, telling you what would work on the show. Uh, I don't think they're overdoing it. They know to back off and when to come on to you. They're not, it's, it's not, it's not like they're over, uh, they're not over like explaining like, no, you got to do the joke like this. It doesn't work here. They, they give you guidance to go, here's what I think you got to do to get this joke. Done. And it's going to be different for when you first do it and not, you know, what's funny is I never got on Letterman and, uh, that McDonald's story, but, uh, the guy that booked Letterman. I sent him that McDonald's story and I was like, I taped it and I was kind of trying to get on Letterman. And I just couldn't. And I already did Conan, but I couldn't do Letterman. And, uh, they told me the McDonald's story. They go, that's too mundane, which uh, I did not know what mundane <laughs> meant, but I, the tone made me think it wasn't a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I looked up mundane and I took that, like, I was pretty upset about, I was like, well, this joke murdered. I was like, what are you talking about? It's too mundane. And I did it on Conan uh, three weeks later. Oh, that's awesome. And that, and then, and that was the last time I tried to get on Letterman. I was like, well, it's just not for me. They're not. And that's the, you know, that's that's the mentality you got to have when you do, like you take stuff. You got to take some stuff personal, and yeah. you go, oh, okay. Is it not? Well, I'll, I'll go get it somewhere else then. Because yeah. I knew it's, it's like, well, it's working. I'm open to listening to you, but I mean, I'm doing this. I'm closing on this joke on the road. It's my closer. It's working that good. So it can't be mundane, which I think is boring, right? Isn't that what mundane mm -hmm. means? Generic. Yeah, just generic. everyday generic. Yeah. yeah, every day. Yeah, everyday generic, eating yeah. burgers. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so a good booker, I think, is someone that knows how to not make it about them. It's about, it's about the comedian. It's, it's giving them guidance. And I mean, I know a lot of people that book. And bookers are, it's hard because the comics send them all these tapes and they're always like, why are they, you know, they don't email me back. They don't respond to me. It's taken for, yeah, that's what it is, man. That's again, it's not prime. You don't, you don't, you're not owed to be on Conan or Fallon on the Tonight Show. You're not, what do you promise to be on it? Like, you're like, the guy doesn't email me back. He doesn't have to tell you. He's got 500 comedians trying to get on his show. Yeah. Maybe you're not, you're not going to get on it. I didn't get, it took forever to get on this, like, that's it is what it is. Sometimes you submit, they never respond back to you, and you got to hope to see them again to try to resubmit a whole different set. You got to move on past that. Be like that one didn't work. Mm -hmm. You don't have to email me back. Some of the jobs like I always hate when, like when people are like well, you could at least email me back. Show me the decency to email me back. You're like that guy's busy, dude. Yeah. Just because you rattle off fifty emails doesn't mean everybody owes you this response to go. I'm sorry, we we can't just. Take it as no, and then go figure out your new way to get on it. It's not like, you know, that is, all right, that's sorry. <laughs> all right. And there's any, uh, any, what type of comic do you like, really like and respect? Not spe specific names, but just, I mean, I think you've already kind of touched on it. Yeah, I mean, like Burr, Chappelle, obviously. Is it guys? I, mean, who, I like original guys. Yeah. I, I think it's coming up with original stuff and original thought and not just talking about the, you know, and I also appreciate fun. Like we talked about a tell. Like David Tell is very fun to me. Very, very just rapid jokes. Super funny, dude. Uh, I mean, just so funny. 
I, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate people that love what they do, the commitment that they have for it. Uh, and the guys that dive in, I mean, I, you know, the one thing you see in a lot of open mic comedy scenes are the comedians that just make fun of the room or this situation or the, the art of comedy. And that's like kind of their thing. And that's why that guy gets stuck and stays where he's at because he doesn't take it serious <coughs> and you're, you're performing for an audience. So your job is to do the best I can for that audience. And if I don't give that audience the best, it's show business. Like that's, that's when it starts feeling like real show business. When you're seeing people at a theater and they're buying popcorn or, yeah. you know, drinks and they get to their seat and they go and sit and you're like, you're a show. You're like a movie. You're, mm -hmm. you need to, it's about them. It's not about anybody else. It's not being cool to the other people in the back of the room. It's, it's, it's to them. You need to give those people a great show. That's what those guys are paying for. And that's in, you know, you got to show your worth so that when they get done, they go, man, I had an unbelievable time. That that's a loss. And it doesn't get lost, but the people that do anything as far as an entertainment, the people that have the audience in mind are my favorite people. Those are the, those are the, those singing, acting, writing movies. I'm thinking about my audience and I'm delivering, what can I deliver to them? Great. It's not about the, the cool, the yeah. cool kids, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, Kelsey C, do you find that in-person attendance at a live show has suffered since everything is so easily accessible online now? She, um, I think she, she had, there's more to that. She had been to, a, she's a huge John Chris fan and she'd watched everything he'd ever done. So then when she goes to the show, she'd already seen a lot of the material. So she said she was, you know, I don't know if she said disappointed, but she mentioned meeting, oh. meeting Aaron after the show mm -hmm. was one of the highlights. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Uh, that's nice. Yeah. So her question is, <clears throat> if you're I thought she'd come up to you and be like, I've never seen you or heard of you at all. <laughs> I get but that I thought all. you were great. I, I get all the time. I get, I oh, get yeah, that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's her. She's basically saying if you're a huge fan of someone, if you watched everything they've ever done online, is it hard as a comic when people already know uh, your material? Yeah, but you, that you have to have a new show. You mm -hmm. have to have a new hour, and that's what you do. I mean, it, you know, one thing that people have to realize when, too, when they catch comedians, sometimes if you're, say you're aware, a lot of you listening to this, maybe you're really into comedy, and so you catch on to guys way before they blow up. Mm -hmm. You know, they would always say, like, Bill Burr was like, when he first blew up, and he's like 40, and they're like, man, this guy, where did he come from? Well, he's been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. So a lot of people might have seen him for 10. And then by the time when he gets super known and the audience goes from, let's just say it's 10,000 people to 4 million people, well, those 10,000, you might have to sit through some of those jokes that you've already seen before because he's got such a giant audience now. So he's got to let them see all this stuff, you know, and – uh but that, but when you do shows, that's why you're very, you don't want anything filmed. You don't want people filming stuff on their phones because you're, you're protecting it for the, your audience. And, uh, I always get, I know people comment on my, on all these YouTube videos. It's like, I'm doing the same jokes over and over again. But when you first start, man, when I first started, YouTube was new. And so you were just putting stuff up on YouTube, hoping that someone sees if it goes viral and then you get big from that. So a lot of you have a lot of videos of you doing the same jokes over and over again. And uh, that was just a collection of me trying to make it. Yeah. So you're going to, so I'm doing 
And I'm doing a show, so I'm trying to do good on this show and this show, but this and both shows film and put those shows on YouTube. So I'm doing the same act in both of them uh, because it's like, yeah, it is what it is. So I know a lot of people listen to my stuff online, but that's now where I'm at now. I know that I have to have a new hour. So I now when you come see me, uh, if you see me before you see the special, or I mean, like, if you come see me now on tour, uh, unless I've been to your town, you've seen the new hour. But I have, I have a new hour, and the new hour is going to is hope to be taped as a special. So uh, you, that's what you end up doing. Like you end up building this new hour, and then you go travel around with it, and then you build it, and then you, you do it until you tape the special, and then you start getting a new hour. But that's why you got to have new stuff. So when they come see you live. It's different. And maybe, that you know, I'll do an encore. Sometimes I do old jokes that you, that people want to hear. But uh, but overall, the full hour is new. I mean, some, when I take that special, the Tennessee Kid, by the time that came out, I want to say I had like 40 minutes new. And then maybe I had to do some, because we taped in October, and it aired in March. So I, I, I would say I would say 40 minutes were new, and mm-hmm. then maybe – you know, I had to do some old stuff. If you saw me very early into that, it's as quick as you can get new stuff. Gafkin's the best at that. As far as when his stuff comes out, he has a new hour very quickly. And uh, I think one of the quicker comics that does it. I mean, he puts it out and just is ready wow. to go. Yeah. All right, I'm going to skip ahead a little here. Who's the most uh, famous person who's ever attended one of your shows? Did you know they were there on stage? And if so, were you nervous? Uh, I mean, that cruise ship had everybody, Quentin T.J. and all those people uh, on it. Uh, as far as a regular show, uh, Bruce Willis was at a uh, show at Caroline's. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in New York. And we knew before I was headlining, you know, it wasn't sold out as maybe 100 people. Uh, and he, his friend was a big fan of mine. <laughs> and so he, Bruce Willis called and got a reservation. They told me, cause when I got there, they told me, they go, Bruce Willis is here, <laughs> but they said, Bruce Willis called and said, uh, I'd like a reservation for three tickets. He was with the, the other couple and he goes, reservation and they go, all right, what's the name? And they go, Bruce Willis. And then Caroline's goes, all right, but just give us your real name. And he goes, <laughs> it's Bruce Willis. And they're like, oh. And so Bruce, he came and hung out with the crowd, like out in the audience. Uh, you know, because Caroline's, you'd hang it by the bar before they go sit everybody. Yeah. And he was just sitting there, and they set him with everybody else. He was sitting right uh, kind of back in the middle. I could see – I couldn't really see him, but I could see, like, his head a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I did know he was there. I didn't address it that he was there. Some sometimes people address it, sometimes they don't. Uh, I did not address it, and uh, I didn't have this. I didn't have the six cents joke at the time. Mm-hmm. I would have done it, but I've done the six cents joke in front of Haley Joe Osmond, the really? kid in Six Cents. Yeah, that's cool. That's on video. Uh, Kansas City. I did a show for uh, the, like Kansas City, the Children's Hospital. They do an amazing uh, charity, Big Slick. If you're ever donating to anything, the Kansas City Big Slick, they they do amazing stuff at this big children's hospital. Is that the softball game? Too? Where you yeah. struck out? I struck out in the softball game. <laughs> struck out, Played folks. Kansas Remember that? City. Yeah. In front of everybody. The only one that struck out. They let everybody else keep trying until they got a hit. Uh, we For some remember. reason, I slipped through. But they, uh, they uh, 
So yeah, Bruce Willis was. Pro- Did like, you meet him? Yep. And then afterwards, they came back, and I met him. And uh, his friend was his friend was the big fan. He's he, I think he's from Nashville. He's like a doctor or something. And uh, so I talked to him. And he was, but he was very cool, very nice, and just kind of sit there. And then we did have them leave. They went through, out through the back. Yeah. Uh, was it Matt Damon at one of your shows? I did a show with Tom Papa and Matt Damon. Uh, is Tom Papa are friends, and yeah. so Matt Damon was there. And then uh, we hung. And then he stayed and watched the side. He loved the McDonald's jokes. And that was a joke where I was like, "I'm going to murder." Yeah. So I knew he was there, and I'm. And we we're only doing like ten minutes, and so I was like, "I am bringing the heat." Yeah. And so uh, he, and then I got off stage and then he, dude, he was the best too. I mean, talk just a regular guy and was, you know, was like, he afterwards he was like, so what's up, man? What's your, like, what's going on? Like, Mm. how's it going for you? I mean, dude, you were so, he's like, that joke reminded me of my buddies that came up, like all this stuff. It was just a super, super nice, super nice guy. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, you know, I mean, I did Joe Walsh's 70th birthday. That's the most. Well, Tom had, Hanks was there. Tom right? Hanks was there. Ringo Starr, uh, Brad Paisley, uh, Aaron. Who's yours? Yeah, uh, the mayor of Nashville came to some shows. Um, Fresh <clears throat> off a. Uh, oh, you guys did a show with in front of Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman. That's true. Yeah, yeah, they came to the show. Yeah, they came to the show. Yeah, uh, I didn't meet them afterwards. Uh, Talked you, to Tom Hanks though too that time. You kind of brushed off my when I sat there. I said that. Well, I felt bad because I set him up, and then I was trying to help him. You're out trying there. to do a joke? He no, was I, to, I, I thought he was trying to be funny. Yeah. I, I asked him. To be funny. No, I just because you yeah. cut me off. I'm like Ringo Starr. And you're like Aaron. Go ahead with yours. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were serious. You're like Tom Hanks, Ringo Starr. Who have you, you just had, cut Aaron? me off? I'm sorry. I thought you were trying to think of somebody. I was like, Man. let Aaron speak while you were. I'll thinking. have you know, former mayor of Nashville. Megan Barry is a big fan of mine. Oh, that's good. I, I mean, she's seen me. I don't know if she. Yeah. I don't know if she liked me. Mine would be. Uh, but she's there. Belmont basketball coach Rick Bird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in the stage one night and I saw him out there and I got nervous. Yeah. No one knows who that is, but just but I'm luckily I'm a big fan. Yeah, Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, at yeah Belmont. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so let's get Did to we, some- we told the story about you recognizing other people. Yes. Yeah, we did that. So That's still the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at Zany's last week, and Monty Mitchell said that was his favorite story. It's my favorite, too. <laughs> Just going up. No, you were at my show last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> so uh, let's talk bombing. Let's, let's share some good... Uh, Is this it? We're wrapping it up with this, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're about an uh, hour and 36 minutes in. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, I do like this question, though. Let me, can you grab how you craft and memorize your material? How do you determine your comedic style? Uh, From Josh Parrott, uh, describe how you craft and memorize your material. You memorize it by just saying it. I mean, you say it over and over again, but you just know the bullet points. I think it's like memorizing a song, I'd imagine. You just kind of know, and then you get into a rhythm of saying it. So it's all like a rhythm. And you kind of know where it's going to go. And I don't, there's no like special trick to memorizing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, I forget it. I've definitely forgot it. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I don't think there's anything special about memorizing it. But if I mean, you, you we have set list. Points, yeah. I write a set list out. <coughs> so I, I do try to, my jokes always try to 
uh, go together. Mm-hmm. So I try to make sure everything can lead into something else. And then that leads me through the and That'll help you m- remember where to go, right? Because there's only, there's only nowhere else, else to go yeah. except this obvious next step. The transition makes yeah. sense. So you try to make the transition be there without it being too obvious. Like trying to, you know, you try to make it. Yeah. And that's how you memorize, you know. But my wife, we always talk about that, my wife. Like you got you got a lot. I don't memorize. I don't remember a lot of things. I don't think I have a good memory, but I do memorize. I know these jokes. But I feel like because your memory, your brain is just so got so much nonsense. It's got it's just constantly walking around with two hours of material yeah. just in it. So sometimes you get you know a new thing, and unless it's interest, unless it's going to work for your act, I feel like I just it plops right out. It doesn't stay unless I think it can, you know, unless I can use it in my act. I think about that sometimes when I, when I sleep, sometimes I'll try to, I will wake up and put it in my phone because I don't want to forget it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I will try to make myself see if I remember it. I like almost try to, almost like a brain exercise. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to go, all right, try to remember this joke and see if you can memorize it when you wake up. And I'll wake up and then sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So it's not that good of an exercise. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do some other weird, yeah. I'll try to put something somewhere sometimes that's different and see if I can remember to go get it. Like if you set your keys, mm. I'll put them in a weird space, place. Just to see if you remember? See if I can remember to, where they're at. It works, I would assume. Huh? Does it work? We're using Laura's keys right now. There's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> We have no idea where they're at. Uh, I haven't found it. Have you guys seen them? I was trying to ask you. Do you remember me talking about this at all? By any chance, have you seen these keys? Uh, I have it. All right. So finally, what are you saying? Bombing. 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 This. Uh, trying to think. Should I go first? I don't think I'm going to have it. I think you have some good bombing. You might be better than me. You just uh, assume? <laughs> yeah. Bates, you bound to have some good bombing stories. Uh, mine, I'm trying to think. My So my the ones I've, I think I've talked about... I did a cruise ship, Carnival Cruise. And so when you do these cruise ships, you have to do five shows, five 30-minute shows, two clean, two, uh, two dirty, three clean. So the clean, or anybody's coming, the, one, the, the dirty ones are supposed to be adult. Obviously, I nev- never had dirty material. So I, like, it just, I don't know what, I, I don't do anything. Maybe I try to throw a curse word in just to, so I can sound like I'm being edgy. Uh, so we would do the shows and when I was doing them, I did not have five 30 minute shows. I mean, what is that? Two and a half hours of material. Uh, yeah, close to yeah it's a, it's a lot. So I never had that much stuff and I was never doing crowd work. So I was never good at crowd work. A lot of comics that are really good on cruise ships are the ones that can just, every show's different because mm-hmm. they're just asking the crowd questions and they can make stuff up. And those are, they're built for cruise ships. Uh, and people come back to these shows. The worst part is when you would go, so you'd fly to like Florida and you get on a boat with people and you'd go to, or you'd go to Jamaica or wherever they're going. So when you get on those, people are still excited to be on the boat. So people might come to one of your shows. So that way there you could, that crowd, you could kind of get away with doing the same material, but then you'd get on a different boat in like Jamaica and people that are going home. Those people are coming to all the shows because they've kind of done everything on the boat. Yeah. So then you got to do five shows for them. So I remember doing, uh, I go do it and I did, I mean, I basically did the shows 
and I'm kind of out of material. I have one 30 minute show left. And I would, the comic I was on, he would always tell the crowd, you can come to every show, come to every one. They're all different, whatever. And then when I would get done my show, I'd go guys, you could probably come to the one Tuesday night. That might be different. But after that, I, and I mean, I would make full on like warnings. I'd go, I don't have this much time. Yeah. So do not come expecting a different act. I'm not, I've only been in comedy for five years. I only have, I have as much as I have. It is what it is. Yeah. Probably shouldn't even be on this boat, but be careful. Don't come thinking you're going to be seeing a bunch of new stuff. I mean, I would overly tell people stuff. So I come to do the last show and it's be 500 people. And I'm like, I'm going to do kind of oh, a great, big show. It's a big show. I'm going to do like greatest hits. So I start my act, nothing on the first show, nothing on the second show. I mean, 500 people silent. And I ask, I go, have y'all been to every show? And the whole crowd, it goes, yes. <laughs> and then I go, well, I don't have more jokes. I'm out of jokes. And I, then I start doing, I go, I guess we're going to have to just talk to the crowd and see how far back we can get. And I remember asking the first guy, I'm like, so what do you do for a living? And you're looking for like interesting jobs, yeah. you know, for people to have that you can maybe talk about. And the guy goes, he's, I work on an oil rig. I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. So what about you? I have nothing <laughs> yeah. on oil rig. I should, I mean, that should be the show. It's yeah. just asking that guy oil rig questions. Yeah. And now I think I could ask him questions, but at that, at that moment, I'm just like yeah. petrified. Well, no oil material. I'm like, oil rig. All right. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, what about you, buddy? He's like, I sell insurance. I'm like, man, that's I'm just I literally asking people what they do. Just mm-hmm. taking a poll. Goes terrible. <laughs> and I remember getting on an ele- elevator and uh the crowd, and I hear, and I got my hat on. I didn't have a hat on, Sage. I got a hat on. We're sitting in the elevator, people get on. And I mean, it feels like I made it. I'm in an elevator in the ocean. Kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Right in an elevator on the ocean. And I just hear this uh the guy next to me. There, there's a group of three and they're talking. They go, what have you gone to any of the comedy shows? And the guy goes, yeah. He goes, uh, one guy with a flashlight because the other guy had a flashlight and he would shine on the crowd. Hmm. He goes, he is unbelievable, man. He goes, the, the other guy was, I mean, terrible, just terrible. <laughs> oh my and I mean, I, my shoulder's touching this guy. <laughs> and uh, I just get off on the next, the next, and I think they realize it. I on, think the way, on your way out, they saw on the way it was at, you? Like, I think they finally realize it. And they and I just go, uh, and I just didn't you uh, say he told he said something like I don't even know if that guy was awake. Yeah, like they my energy that guy sounded like he was asleep, and I just went back to my room. And you stayed in a room that was in the middle of the ship with no windows. And I went back and watched Fantastic Four, which I still defend that movie because that movie got me through that. I just because they play it on repeat, I just yeah. kept watching it over and over again. You can hear the people in the room right next to yours talking about you. Oh no, you're in the you're in the the bottom of the ship. You yeah. don't hear. You oh hear, yeah, it's loud. Down there. You hear dolphins uh, talking <laughs> about you how really you hear, bombed. Huh? Do you really hear fish and stuff? No, no. Oh, sorry, it sounds like a Nate question, Aaron. You should be embarrassed. <laughs> I've never yourself. been on a cruise, man. I mean, that was you know. Felt, this is the only time I've ever felt smarter than you. Um, so that was yeah, that was a nice. Uh, I don't remember if there's another one. You got some more. This this we'll come back. Yeah, because I even you got some good friends bombing. Yes. Story. What's what's one for you, Aaron? Or have you ever bombed? Yeah, yeah I bombed a couple days ago. Um, I did too. Yeah. If, if I mean, I've done plenty of shows that are just train wrecks. Where, but for me, it's like when the stakes feel really high. And you bomb, that's when it really hurts. I always think of, I was like five months into comedy, I got offered to open 
for James Gregory at a theater in Gallatin. Mm. Two shows, first shows at 4 p.m. Mm. And I'm a few months in, I have maybe five minutes. James Gregory's a big deal, especially here in the yeah, South. Th- yeah, th- that's all part. It felt like a huge, I couldn't yeah. believe that I was getting to do this. Yeah. And it's like a four or 500 person theater sold out. And I meet James. He's very nice. He says, you can do 15 minutes. Do at least 15. Don't do 20, but do at least 15. And here's the only thing I need you to do is take the mic stand with you off the stage because he uses a lapel mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, all right, man. So I was like, I, and I, just so you know, that's not crazy for James Gregory to tell you, don't do 20, do 15. No. Like yeah. it's not just if anybody thinks like, mm-hmm. well, that means, you know, that's again, it's like normal. you're, you're the headliner of the show. So you, what exactly. you, you, what you need in front of you is you're like, yeah, I don't need a guy up there doing 30 minutes. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. Perfectly reasonable. Reasonable request. question. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I walk out there first show. I said, how's everybody doing? And it was nothing. I mean, I got, they weren't doing. This is a four o'clock show. It's a four o'clock show. Very old crowd. And I was 24 years old. And, uh, dude, I bombed so bad. I can still feel the way it felt. I got literally nothing. And I did all my, I did my closer. And I look at my phone and I've done seven minutes. (laughs) So I was like, I'm not even halfway done. Because I got to do at least 15, right? And I just stumbled through the next eight minutes and then i forgot to take the mic stand off the stage so he had to call me back out on stage to get the mic stand (laughs) yeah and it was just so i remember thinking they're gonna fire me for the next show like why would they even so i go back to the green room and it's just this big room and i'm sitting there by myself and my girlfriend who's now my fiance was in the crowd and she had sent me a text during my set and it just said wow yeah so i just read that and i sat back there and then you got to sit there for an hour while he's on stage right just stew in it and that was my worst one because it felt it felt like the biggest thing in the world for me yeah to do this huge show and i just tanked yeah brutal yeah there's there's those type of shows there's terrible terrible like bar shows but then you're kind of like well i never really had a chance yeah right and then there's those i did a show Friday night for some college kids in auditorium and they're all wearing masks. There's a hundred kids in a thousand seat auditorium and I'm 48. (laughs) I got some things working against me (laughs) against all freshmen. And yeah, it was, you're older than their dad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm at least their dad's age. I got friends my age who have kids in college. Okay. So, so that happens a lot. The one that I'm, most tell i guess is when i got uh hired to do a show in my hometown of lebanon tennessee and it was the only reason in retrospect I'm like why would i agree to do such a terrible show it's because i knew the guys who asked me to do it so i think i got blinded by that and just didn't want to say no it was for the wilson county livestock association <laughs> i mean <laughs> and it was their annual fundraiser and for for they raise money to help future farmers go to college and stuff like that. And they said, we're going to do this uh, auction and we'd love it if you donate some CDs to, to, to auction off. <laughs> and I said, sure. And then they want and we'd love for you to come and, and do perform for us. And I said, sure. So I called my mom. My mom doesn't she can't drive to Nashville or see me. She rarely gets to see me perform. Mm-hmm. I said, <clears throat> Mom, I'm coming home to do a show for the Wilson County Livestock Association. I'll come pick you up and take you to the show. 
and she called our friends and our family and and pretty dressed nice um yeah just had i mean it was a big deal she was very excited so i go pick up my mom <laughs> it's at the uh wilson county fairgrounds in a picnic pavilion so it's outside it's about five o'clock in the afternoon in the summertime so it is 90 degrees outside and which was also the average age of the people there <laughs> and <clears throat> there was no stage, so <clears throat> excuse me. I just sit down on the. I just stood down on the floor. The guy went up before me was from the county property assessor's office, talking about proposed tax increase. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, well, at least I can tell the mics working. I was like trying to gauge it how well they could hear and stuff. And That's he's talking how about low this the bar is tax yeah. increase. The mic is They're talking about raising taxes. Yes, his, his opener is getting taxes raised. Yes, which I thought, well, at least they'll like me better than the guys. Talking about a tax increase, which I was dead wrong. <laughs> I get up there, and I mean, they just there's these huge fans blowing because it's outside, it's 90 degrees. Which I say, at least with the fans, it helped keep the tears in my eyes. <laughs> they would come out and just blow back in. And I mean, I just bombed and I bombed and I bombed. And a couple of times, I would make eye contact with my mom. And I mean, it's the worst thing ever because, oh gosh, she is now just disassociating I mean, herself with me she's worried she is she's the she one that's is worried. worried i mean we both had the look on our face and i bombed so bad and it's just nothing's working and i'm trying to do crowd work and i'm just digging myself deeper in a hole because i'm talking about farm stuff i have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> so finally i just have to get done and just like thanks guys i'm done and you know how you go like hide in the green room and you just or your yeah, whatever there's nowhere to hide there is no green room they're all at picnic. I just have to sit back down yeah. and I have to have them like scoot over so I can like throw them and just sit down between guys that just hated me. All right. So now they're starting an auction and the guys do the auctioneers up there and they're bidding on bags of feed and, and uh, just, just all this stuff, stuff, farm, farm stuff. And they're into it. I mean, they're going at it and I don't care. I'm so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're they're bidding and like like and it's all like tractors and horses. It's exciting. Like the grandpa, as I remember, was a live cat like a a heifer. That's what they you know. And a live cattle. Yeah. I mean it it wasn't it wasn't there, but the the winner was gonna get a donated cow. Wow. I don't care. I'm just so happy no one's focused on me. I just I kind of have my head down, you know, just kind of like maybe pretend like a meeting or whatever. And then he goes, all right, now we're going to bid on the CD from the comedian you saw. <laughs> and he gets quiet again. I mean, silent. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just want to hide so bad. <laughs> and no one will bid on it. And I was like, please, just somebody buy the CD. Mm-hmm. Finally, the auctioneer just like, I tell you what, I'm going to get this for myself. Just to throw me a bone. Wow. He just, he just <laughs> after a while, because he had to move on. Not even your mom yeah. or your family. Um, no, no. My mom was, I looked at her. She was like, I did not want to buy the CD. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was painful. That was basically it. I had a, it's over. I just want to get out of there. My mom's at a different picnic table talking to people. So I, I can't immediately get out. I just remember it was the worst did night. Did you have... Didn't after that first CD didn't go, you had another CD. I did, I did. It's even two CDs. I I did. Like they they didn't even go back to back. They mixed it up with some other stuff, and then he put up the (laughs) other CD. And so uh, he has to just the auctioneer just has to go. You know what? I'll buy this one. They leave. They talk about farm stuff, and then go. Guess who's back? (laughs) 
<laughs> and then uh, another, uh, which I think I have the CD. Oh boy! This time the guy who uh, the, the, I don't have. I have. <laughs> well, that was great. I that was a, easy out. I had. We had the CD. I thought we had it sitting in here. Uh, maybe we hit it. Maybe someone took it. Uh, Harper used to want it just to have something put in her purse. Oh yeah, when she was real little. Yeah. We just got a CD. Had to buy it. The second time, the guy who hired me to do the show, he just took the CD just to be nice. Yeah. I mean, nobody wanted it. I don't even think they knew. I think they didn't even know I was a comedian. Yeah. I think they thought, Harper, you said, I think this is the mayor. Why is he talking go, about his dating life so they, much? They sit there and they go, is this guy a comedian? They're like, I don't know. He's trying is what I hear. <laughs> I, you do those weird. I did a, my buddy's, uh, he, they wanted me to do some of my act for, I was his best man. Travis at his wedding, mm. but they didn't tell everybody I was a comedian. So I just start doing it, and I'm like making fun of marriage at a at a wedding, and no one gets it. And so I just bought. They think this is the weirdest oh, gosh. speech. And I'm like, you told me to do my act, dude. Like, and there That's I just remember good. one lady just cackling, dude. <laughs> like just <"Wah!" laughs> like at every, and she loved it. She, uh, loved but you it. loved her, yeah. I still think about her. I can still hear her laugh just in the darkness, just one person giving it to you. Tell the, uh, a couple of stories I want you to tell. Joe List when. Yeah. Joe List. Uh, when he's at the bar. When he's at the bar. Joe List has a great, uh, very funny comedian. Joe List just had a special, has a special on YouTube. You can go check out uh, Comedy Central. Uh, but they put it on YouTube. Look up Joe List. Special is doing great. I mean, came out maybe two, three weeks ago. Yeah. But he always had a great, not to tell his story, but he had a great one. He would have, I mean, super fun ones. One day he's on, uh, he's middle, he's the middle act. He's the feature. <laughs> he's sitting in the back of this room and they got an MC. MC goes up and uh, him and the headliner is sitting at the, like they're facing the bar, the crowd's behind them <laughs> and the stage is behind them. So they're facing the bar and Joe's like sitting there. He's like, ah, oh, this guy's just brand new at comedy. You know, see how it goes. And so he's, they're doing it. He gets a big pop. And then Joe's like, All right, I guess he's not that bad, you know? And then uh, someone comes over, he looks over, and the <laughs> MC's just standing next to Joe. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I brought you up. <laughs> and Joe turns, and the whole crowd is looking back at the room at Joe. And he's like, What? And the guy, the, the, the pop he got was him introducing oh Joe. He thought he, the guy was supposed to do seven minutes and he did one minute and then just goes, all right, everybody, first comic, Joe List, and then just left the stage. Did he say, you said he's like, Joe, you're up. No, that was another guy oh. that would say, he would say his name and he would be like, he'd go, all right, first comic, Joe List is a very funny comedian from Boston. He's uh, been doing a lot of stuff. He moved to New York recently and uh, he's uh, put on a great show. And then Joe would be sitting there, and then he goes, uh, Joe, I said your name. And you're like, you're like, well, you're supposed to say the name at the end. And they don't say the name at the end. And Big, I mean, Big J has a bunch. I don't want to go through all, like, the, uh, uh, can you tell that one about him uh, getting off stage and didn't want to go back out? He didn't, uh, where he didn't know. Uh, where he, well, the best one would, one of my favorite with Joe, with Big J, when Big J taped, Big J Okerson, another very comic, super, he's very dirty if, you, if you're into clean comedy, but if you, he's one of the best comics. Uh, 
if, if he, that stuff doesn't bother you. But there, so uh, Jay did a show when he first first TV thing he that was comedy jam, comedy def jam yeah. where they used to do those shows. And so they filmed it. He flies down. He does it. His uncle comes to the show. An uncle he like kind of knows doesn't know great. His uncle <laughs> comes to the show, and uh, what's crazy? He was on the flight with Pink. That that big Big J flew with Pink, and and they like talked. And uh, Jay Pink was like. He was like talking. He's like, "Where are you? I'm going to do a comedy show." She's like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm doing stuff." And he's kind of like, "Whatever." Like at this point, she's not known. Mm-hmm. Cut to, I mean, it was maybe three months later. He said he was working at Seven Eleven, and the People <laughs> magazine coming, and she's on the cover. <laughs> she's enormous, <laughs> and uh, so he goes and does the show. His uncle comes to the show, so he gets a hotel. It was his first TV gig. It's kind of cool. He gets to fly there and get to stay in a hotel. That stuff is. So fun when you're a comedian. When you first start and you're like, I'm they're flying me, I'm getting paid, and I get my own hotel. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. So he gets to the show. His uncle comes to the show. And then after the show, his uncle's like, Come stay. The family wants to see you. Come stay at our, our house. He's like, I live like near here. And he's like, Well, I got a hotel. I'll just stay at the hotel. He's like, No, no, no. You gotta like they wouldn't take no for an answer. You gotta stay with us. My whole family's up waiting for you to come. And so he finally like, okay. And then he's like, I'll just crash at your house, I guess. So he leaves. They drive his ass way farther than expected. He's like, we'll we'll get food there and all this stuff. So there's no food. Nothing's open. They go open the door. It's completely dark. The guy's family doesn't know that he's coming. He goes and like wakes him up. And he's like, ah, this is little Jay. Like it's big Jay. He's like, remember Jay? and, And they're like, ah, okay. Like, what are you, why are you here? And he's like, ah, he wanted to come see everybody. Like, no one's up. No one was expecting him to be there at all. So then he's like, well, just sleep on the couch. So now he's got to see, he's like, I had this hotel. And now I got to sleep on the couch? (laughs) And so he's got to sleep on the couch. They have this giant dog. The dog just like staring at him. And then he starts like itching. He starts waking up and they have fleas on the couch. So now... He's getting, I mean, he's like just ripped apart and just can't itching. So they have to get up. They have to, he has to wake the whole house. They've got to knock on their door. Yeah. Like, you know, like you, you don't really know. It's like, even though it's his family, it's like something they're super close to. He's got to wake them up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's going on? And he's like, I mean, he's having an allergic reaction. I mean, a reaction to these fleas or something. And his whole body's just, just, I mean, littered with bites. And they have to put him in the shower. And just turned cold water on him. So now he's just naked in the shower, just getting bathed. And he didn't want to. And all this started with, he didn't want to go there. He's like, I got a hotel. And I, I, that's a turn of events that I love. <laughs> yeah. That you get done taping this great night. It's this magical <laughs> night. And you would never think in a few hours, I'll be in a I'm going to be naked in a shower with family I don't know watching me as they hose them down. <laughs> because of fleas. Because of fleas. <laughs> Unbelievable, unbelievable turn of events, and That's I love, so I love a nice turn so of how events. How did I get here? How did this happen? It was going so good, so fun. That is crazy. I thought you were going to tell the story about him going crawling through the wall. One, he gets done with a show in Philly. He does really big. J does very bad, and uh, I always feel weird telling some of these stories because they're not my stories. Mm-hmm. But they're uh, big. J tells me he does a very. He gets done doing a, a show. In Philadelphia, open mic, it goes really bad, and uh, he, he just leaves. And he's seeing people leave through the kitchen, and he's he walks to the back, and he's like, I'm going to go out through the kitchen. There's like, there's nowhere to go out. And he goes, people are leaving, man. I see people go back here, and they never come back. 
So they're le- clearly leaving this back way. I can't, I don't want to walk through that crowd. They booed me. They hated me. And they're like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. There's not an entrance here. And so he kind of goes and there's like a little way behind this wall. It's like this drywall. So he kind of goes through it and he gets through the drywall. And I mean, he's touching all the drywall. So he's just going through drywall as he just slowly goes through it. And it's just rubbing on his shirt and he can't get it. And he hears the noise and he just ends up pushing and the drywall falls to the ground. And he's at the, he's in the restaurant that's attached to it. And so they're just sitting there like, what are you doing? Like, you can't just come. And he goes, I don't, I don't, I mean, and just leaves through that restaurant. There was no back entrance, but he was convinced that there was. And he just ends up getting, he's seeping through that. I love Bami's stories so much. Even if it's, I mean, if it's me, the story about the guy who performed at the funeral, that, that so let, let's be done all right we're in on did you have anything else you wanted no these are great <laughs> yeah, we'll, some of these are ones i've heard i had when i opened for my dad my dad had me open for him uh it's like 10 a.m at opryland and he calls me to do it and i go up and people are eating and i'm doing my act and i'm just watching people eat breakfast They're, i'm seeing people hug each other like oh you've been doing i haven't seen you in so no one i just bomb yeah, yeah. and my dad just woke me up <laughs> Like I was home visiting and he just, he's like, you want to make a hundred bucks? And so I go, okay. And I go just bomb, you know, and I'm just getting done with it. And I'm like, why would you make me do that? He likes, he like made me, mm. you know, I put my dad in a lot better situations than those. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the, the, one of the funniest ones, I, I this kid, I, I can't, I, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Uh, but he did comedy in like, it was in Florida and Jacksonville. And he's one of the first gigs he did. This is probably the best story I've heard. Uh, And I wish if I ever remember his name, we can put it in the Nate Land thing or something. Uh, But uh, he uh, is doing a show, gets called to do a show at this uh, kind of biker bar. And so apparently one of the bikers uh, just died. And so they were doing, they were having his funeral and then they were going to go to the bar and drink and they wanted to do a comedy show the guy like was a fun guy that died. And so they're like, we don't want it to be this miserable, (laughs) just bad night. So we want to make it, we want to make it is what it is and make it, you know, celebrate the guy's life. So he loved the guy loved comedy. He loved making people laugh. We're going to put on this great comedy show. It's going to be great. So the, this kid was just booked. It was like another guy that was, was more known in the Florida scene, but comic for a long time. And he tells, he's like, look, come do this gig with me. Uh, it's it's yeah it might be weird you know some a lot of gigs you do take that you're going like this is probably gonna be terrible we can make 200 bucks let's just who cares let's just go through get through the gig it's gonna be fun mm-hmm. so the guy's like i'll go up i'll i i i, I ride bikes i ride motorcycles i kind of knew the guy like i'll make it you know where it's good so the guy gets to it the bikers are all in there and uh they walk in that guy goes up folds completely does maybe 30 seconds and it's 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 so uncomfortable that he's like he can't do it and then he just brings up this other comic who's kind of a new comic and so the guy goes up and he's on stage and he's sitting there and he's doing his act spotlights on him and it just I mean, he's bombing dude like it's because it's a horrible situation yeah. it's it's as is most ideas most of the times when someone tells you hey let's try to do comedy 
it's let's try not to do comedy. It's not going to work. <laughs> and this is not working. And he's bombing. He's bombing. Can't get it going. He's just, you know, the spotlight's on him. Nothing's going good. And then he's like, he finally just like has to walk off stage, walks off stage, looks back at the stage. The spotlight that he is standing in is a picture of the guy's face that died. <laughs> it's, they were projecting. It's a projecting the guy's face. <laughs> on him. On him. So the whole time he's doing stand-up, it's just a picture of the guy that died. <laughs> I mean, that's brutal, dude. Brutal. Just sitting through all that. Ah, uh, oh, it's so good. Reminded me of another one that I always heard. An old magician one. The uh, This magician's doing uh, this show. And so, you know, they always make doves come out. So it's a big trick this guy does where he has, he pulls these doves out of this hat. So this guy's doing it. And the crowd is sitting there and he's like, he starts, he gets to the tree, look at the hat's empty and he gets the hat and he starts pulling doves out. And they just, he, I mean, it, they just keep coming. And the crowd's like, and the guy can't really see the crowd because the lights are on him, but he's hearing them like go, ha, ha, ha. Like, and he's like, guys, this is, this thing, joke is crushing, dude. So it's crushing. Until finally, he realizes there's a ceiling fan above him, and he's just throwing <laughs> pigeons into the ceiling fan, and just murdering pigeons. So there's no, they're not. It's not happiness. Yeah, it's just they're horrified. He just because they keeps coming. It's not or like it just keeps like boom, just hits it and and then and then they're like no, and he goes another one, and just the crowd is just horrified. As he keeps throwing them up, it's wonderful. Oh gosh, so that's funny. so funny. Magicians have wonderful. <laughs> uh, we need. To, I get my dad on like and hear some of the uh, old magic. That'd be great. I mean, yeah, because they, you know, ah, uh, yeah, they're 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 so wonderful. <laughs> Bombing is a it's a wonderful uh, thing, and if you're a new comic starting, enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Hope it's good enough that you can. Uh, you know, my new next act, I talk about a bombing story in it. I won't tell it now. Uh, but you, hopefully you can get something out of it. Uh, and it, I can tell you what it bombing teaches you is to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And that's what comedy is. You got to be super comfortable in the most uncomfortable situation. So it teaches you doing that. You're going to do a lot of shows where people, they leave the TV on. I did plenty of shows. I've done shows where I've watched a game on TV as I just blurted out the joke because it just no one was listening yeah and you're just so you're just up there you know going through the motions just going through the emotions yeah i yeah and uh so yeah uh all right well that i mean that was it was another long one uh, that's that why shirt? I up too huh that shirt oh uh we did get a shirt uh by a a, a guy i met doing comedy and uh uh, a friend of mine, he's been, you know, he's come to some shows. He goes to a lot of comedy shows. He's friend, a lot of comics know him and stuff. And uh, he made his shirt. What's your source? Huh? We got something. That's something. Awesome. We got something. Uh, they're not for sale. They're there's for us. But this was uh, <laughs> this was made as uh, Kevin Best. He also painted the uh, the the painting you see oh, behind nice. here. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So we hung that up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Ke Kevin's the best man. He's, uh, he's sent some other shirts and stuff. That's very cool. Uh, that's he's cool. on Instagram t-shirt Kevin, I believe. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, very cool that he made that shirt. And also this super serious, uh, comedy book. I'm in this book. 
uh, Mandy Johnson. They ran a show super serious in Los Angeles, and it was uh, a, a show you wanted to be on. It was the, uh, I mean, an unbelievable show, and uh, they had every, I mean, every comic on it, and they would always take these pictures afterwards of comics. You'd always do one serious and one and one not serious. Oh, there's there's me. I turned it right to me. How about that? And there's one of mine. Um, and so this talks, this book's about the oral history of Los Angeles independent stand-up comedy. Cool. Uh, she didn't ask me to do that, but I just, it's a very, but I'm in the book. So that's fun. <laughs> I've never been in a book. Uh, so I was excited about that. Uh, all right. Uh, hopefully we got your stand-up stuff. Hopefully these guys got to talk more. I know that's a big complaint is uh, people don't hear enough from Huge. you. Uh, check out their spinoff podcast uh, <laughs> called Bates and Aaron Land. Uh, it's called uh, Morning Breakfast. Or I don't know. What's a, uh, a Secret good... Genius Secret, Breakfast. Yeah. yeah, Secret Genius Brunch. Still working Brunch. on a name. Still spitballing yeah. some names. But uh, all right. We love you as always. Thank you guys for everything. Uh, all the listening, all the nice... Uh, the rating and stuff, and uh, go buy a Helix mattress. That's their first ad. Yeah, I, I, I like first, so yeah. I was excited about yeah. that. All right, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Thanks everybody for listening to the Nate Land podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast. And please remember to leave us a rating or a comment. Nate Land is produced by me, Nate Bargetzi, and my wife, Laura, on the All Things Comedy Network. Recording and editing for the show is done by Genovations Consulting in partnership with Center Street Media. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to catch us next week on the Nate Land Podcast. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 